0: With your host, Captain Jeff, broadcasting live from Studio 2L at the Marriott in Augusta, Georgia. Today's show is recorded on the 30th of June, 2021. episode, Delta plans to hire more than a 1,000 pilots by next summer as the pandemic recedes. Romanian investigators look into why a flight ran over runway lights while attempting to take off. More news, your feedback, and today's plane tail check-in confessions. So get all settled in, tray tables and seat backs in the upright and locked positions, electronic devices powered on. I'm Radio Roger, and Flight 479 is ready for pushback.
1: That was Radio Roger Stern, an award-winning TV and radio reporter currently at the number one all news station in the nation. 1010 wins in New York City! Welcome to the Airline Pilot Guy Show. It's an aviation podcast covering the latest in aviation news and covering your great feedback. I'm Captain Jeff, a pilot at a major legacy airline based in Atlanta, Georgia. And joining me today from her beautiful home. On Lake... She's a doctor, skydiver, marathon runner, strength training junkie, IPA connoisseur, and commercial multi-engine instrument rated backstabbing jumper dumper. Dr. Steph.
2: Hey, Captain Jeff. It is good to see you again. I've seen you a lot recently. You have. Um, but that's a good thing. Yes. And I'm so glad we do this with a live audience every week so they can see the shenanigans that happen during the recordings.
1: I don't know um, what you're talking it's gonna about. It's
2: going to be a great show tonight. I'm really looking forward to it. I'm just putting it out there for folks who don't watch it. You know, it's a tease. Like, come join us in the live chat room when we record these things.
1: Again, I have no idea what you're talking about. Um, continuing on with the next contestant from his studio in...
3: In Hartford, Hereford, and Hampshire.
1: One of those places. He's a professional photographer, former RAF, RAAF fighter pilot, retired Airbus A330, A340 captain for Virgin Atlantic.
4: Retard.
1: It's Captain Nick. <laughs>
4: well, he got that timing right. Damn. Uh, it's the 30th of June.
2: We're exactly halfway through the year, aren't we?
5: Retard.
4: If you say so. I don't don't know. know. I'm just kidding. I think. Well,
2: it's whatever you know. 365 divided by two, and then whatever day that happens to be.
1: All right.
4: Okay.
2: Staff might be today.
1: Tough. It could be. Could be halfway through. It's awfully dang close. That's what I'll say. Anyway, you know what we should probably do before uh, we just mess up anything else. We should probably do the news.
4: Good idea.
0: Stand by
1: for news. All right, let's start off with this, uh, and it's an accident. This is from the Aviation Herald. Um, Mocambique, not Mozambique. Mozambique Espresso, Espresso. My goodness. E one forty five at Maputo on September thirtieth, twenty nineteen, had a runway excursion on landing, and uh, we probably talked about this before. Uh, so I guess it's kind of an update. Um, they had 25 passengers and four crew, and landed on Maputo's runway five in gusty or gusting crosswinds at about 1650 local. But veered left off the runway, came to a stop with all gear on soft ground entangled with bushes. There were no injuries. The aircraft sustained substantial damage. The airline reported the crew felt a quick and sudden slip of the aircraft and attempted to correct the movement of the aircraft. However, the aircraft left the side of the runway. 25 passengers and four crew left the aircraft safely. At the time of the landing, the wind was at 50 miles.
5: Hmm. I don't like
1: Okay. I don't know what that means. Um, I just, just
2: 50 miles. The wind was 50 miles away. <laughs> it was 50 miles. I, I don't know. 50 miles.
1: I don't know. Simon.
2: <laughs> in in twenty four hours, I don't know.
1: The winds on the uh, Metar are uh, one thirty fifteen gust twenty five. So I'm not That's sure what fifty what that one that means. <laughs> anyway. Unclear. They opened an investigation, and they're trying to figure out what that means. I think on January seventeenth, twenty twenty, the Aviation Herald learned a number of uh, frame sections were bent, structural damage. The radome was crushed. The forward, <laughs> the forward. Uh, you okay?
2: <laughs> it's fine. Just I, put that I microphone think I anywhere. Something.
1: <laughs> Do I need to order a new microphone for one of you? <sighs> okay. How yeah, many microphones
2: does Nick have, though? He's got plenty. It's
1: fine. He's got a mic I
2: locker,
4: so lots. he has plenty. Mm-hmm. I've, got, I've got one less now.
1: Oh, no. Anyway, what, where was I? Uh, let's see. The uh, left AOA vein uh, fractured, left TAT probe was clogged, left pedo pro That can be painful. Left pedo probe dented and bent. The leading edges of the wings received dents. The landing gear and Gear doors received impact damage, a number of fan blades. In other words, it was messed up a little bit. Um, the occurrence aircraft still on the ground in Maputo, uh, standing June 20th, 2021, almost two years after the occurrence. They're not in a big hurry to fix it, apparently. Uh, oh, the Aviation Herald learned that following delays due to the corona pandemic repair the Oh, should be a comma there. Corona pandemic, comma, repair of the aircraft has commenced. So there you go. Uh, we've got a couple of pictures of uh, just kind of use your imagination. An E-145, EJ-145, uh, kind of in bushes, not on a runway. There you go. Mm.
3: Looks a little Sorry, do I have those to show? Brush, no. Like, no, no. For sure.
1: Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Do you think it's worth sharing those images for people to see? It's just pretty much a... Red-tailed. Nah, you can use your imagination. Yeah, it's... Imagine you're
2: walking through, not a forest, but like grassland, brushland. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of scrub. A lot of scrub. scrub All of of a sudden,
4: you bump into... Probably
2: stuff with like, you know, briars and things Yeah, you don't really want to be walking
1: through. Probably killed a few
2: hard
1: to and scorpions. by the time you guys explain it, I I probably should have just shared the image. Oh well.
2: No, it's fine. We painted uh, a very vivid picture. Yeah, very vivid picture. on your yes. podcast.
1: And just various yeah. shades of gray, uh green and brown. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's move to the next one. Um this is an updated report, a serious incident ATR 72-500. Uh, Yankee Romeo Alpha Tango, India on the 13th of October, 2016. Wow, that was a while ago. Um, Scrolling down. uh, Flight Romeo 717 and ATR 72-500 from Bucharest to Lassie. Lassie? I loved that show when I was a kid. Uh, Was scheduled to depart at
2: 2035. Is that an I?
1: Is it I just see an L-A-S-I.
2: It's not a. But it's an uppercase I.
1: Oh. <laughs> that makes that makes <laughs> sense. Okay, never mind then. From Bucharest to that Iasi,
4: Indicated airspeed indicator. <laughs>
1: Sorry. Wow. You, you know, this show, is, I think, is going to be more of a train wreck than anything yet. We're setting new standards. <laughs> no, no,
2: we just had one of those a few weeks ago. So.
1: I know. But this um, is going to be even worse or better, depending on your perspective. Anyway. They were scheduled to depart at 2035 local. After obtaining taxi approval, the flight crew did not apply the sterile cockpit concept upon entering runway. In other words, they were gabbing and not paying attention. Uh, Upon entering runway eight left, the aircraft initially followed the yellow center line of taxiway W, or whiskey. We call it sometimes in aviation. After entering the runway, it turned left the taxiway line. Uh, Oh, no the airplane. After entering the runway, it turned left, leaving the yellow line, then turned right, and aligned with the direction of the runway, right edge lights. I think they thought it was the center line lights again.
4: I'm just going to say, so they're basically taking a high-speed turn-off onto the runway, aren't they? Yes. Except they're going back down at the mm-hmm. runway. They turn left uh, because, obviously, it's a rise at the runway at a you know, gentle angle, and they turn right to line up on the wrong spot. But they must have crossed that yellow taxiway line again mm-hmm. to get to where they started the takeoff. Didn't they notice it? Apparently not because no, they,
2: were
1: they were distracted. <laughs> They're
4: they catching up on their gossip.
1: <laughs> yeah. Probably some union talk. You All
3: know things. Yeah.
1: Or I'm pilot. Know their,
3: you know, about their pensions.
1: Yeah, they were talking about their pensions. Yeah. Or, you know, they may have been talking about like the fl- the cute flight attendant in the back or something. I don't know.
4: Anyway. Well one of the flight crew was a lady i think so
1: well okay then well, maybe well, that she was actually yeah, no fine. Huh?
2: well it doesn't really matter the the, the cute yes. flight attendant in the back could be yeah, yeah exactly right could be a chap open to could interpretation that's
4: yes, true lady.
1: i didn't say it was a female flight attendant nick you stereotypical mm-hmm. boob okay um... yeah
4: i know that's me that's <laughs> me all through and
1: through <laughs> sorry i don't know what's in into me right now um Anyway, the aircraft initiated takeoff, and uh, after approximately 700 meters, at an indicated airspeed of 82 knots, the crew aborted the takeoff, the stated reason being the re- they reported vibration of the nose wheel. <laughs> I wonder why. After the rejected takeoff, the aircraft cleared the runway and taxied to the parking area. A runway inspection did not reveal anything abnormal. Hmm. I guess it wasn't a very good inspection. Between... 929 2129 and 2133 three more commercial flights took off from one runway 8 left during which the runway lighting system had three malfunction alarms during a thorough check of runway 8 left pieces of lights metal elements and glass fragments were found and identified as runway edge lights a number of 6 lights were found completely missing from their positions uh, and if you're interested in which ones they were, they were numbers three, four, five, six, fourteen, 14, and 16, all on the right-hand bingo. side of... Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. You got Bingo. <laughs> hey. Nice. Are we playing a new king game? I'm going <laughs> yes.
3: to buy lottery tickets
1: with those numbers. Man. Liz is going to buy lottery tickets with those numbers. Okay. Cause of the serious incident. The cause was uh, the alignment and taxing for takeoff on the line of the runway, the <laughs> lined up on the right runway edge lights. And the contributory, tri- contributory causes were crew inattention during this phase of flight. Wasn't really a flight though, was it? Uh, distraction of crew attention during this phase and the aircraft did not follow the line marking the center of taxiway whiskey. Okay. So it looks like uh, here at this time of year, sunset was at, in Bucharest was around 1835, so it was dark. So maybe that's why they didn't see the yellow line. It wasn't bright enough or something, I guess. I don't know. Still, you'd think that yeah, you're a runway. You could see
4: li- all those lights they were lined up on.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you were blinded by the lights. Blinded by the lights. Okay. Thank you, Liz. Um, anything else to say about that? Okay. Move on. All right. Let's move on then. Move um, on. Accident. Express Freighters, Boeing 737 um, 300 operated on behalf of Qantas. Registration Victor Hotel X ray Mike Oscar performing freight front flight 7335 from Brisbane to Melbourne, um, Australia with two crew, was en route at flight level 260, about 110 nautical miles northwest of Canberra, when the crew received wing-body overheat warning, which resulted in a reduction of cabin pressure. The crew donned their oxygen masks and descended the aircraft to flight level 200. The first officer became incapacitated, however. The captain descended the aircraft to 8,000 feet, advised that they were diverting to Canberra, requested emergency services on standby, an ambulance, we call them ambulances in the US, um, to meet the aircraft on arrival. Uh, and it's s- an ambulance, mate. Oh, oh, okay. I got it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's just written in the accent. It's just,
4: it uh, written in the in Australian collit- vernacular.
1: <laughs> I see. <laughs> the vernacular. Oh, thank you, Simon Radke, for uh, doing that for
4: me. I look, mate, that guy is an ambulance. <laughs>
1: <laughs> anyway, they request. If you're
2: Australian a- <laughs> and offended by Nick's attempt. To-
1: <laughs> and what's that address, Steph? <laughs>
2: It is well it's I'm offended at uh,
1: I'm affected I'm income. in um offended by Captain Nick at Airline Pilot Gun. Captain
2: Nick yes yes
1: <laughs> it's a very long address <laughs> yeah It's easy to remember though Uh they were they requested the ambulance to meet the aircraft on arrival and stairs for medics to enter the aircraft on final approach already in contact with tower the captain advised the first officer was still unconscious What <laughs> the first officer was still unconscious Hmm. The aircraft landed on runway 35 without further incident. The first officer was taken to a hospital. Uh, Australia's TSB opened an investigation into the occurrence. The black boxes have been secured on June 24th, 2021, just a few days ago. The ATSB released their final report, concluding the probable causes were uh, faults with the right wing body overheat detection system likely led to an intermittent elimination of the master caution and wing body overheat enunciator. The crew were unable to isolate the right-wing body duct due to a faulty isolation valve. In consultation with Sydney Line Maintenance Operations, the flight crew conducted troubleshooting activities that resulted in the right air conditioning pack being selected to auto. This resulted in reduction of cabin airflow. Due to the reduction in cabin airflow, along with a higher-than-normal cabin leak rate, The aircraft was unable to maintain required cabin altitude. This resulted in the flight crew electing to conduct an emergency descent. During the descent, the captain selected the emergency setting on the oxygen mask, resulting in an inhalation of pressurized oxygen. This caused a gagging reflex, (laughs) leading uh, leading to a temporary incapacitation. Throughout the diversion and landing, the first officer experienced uh, incapacitating symptoms consistent with hyperventilation from a heightened state of anxiety. And Doris is very scared. Uh, leading the he captain to declare the first officer incapacitated. Now, that one was the, uh, Liz is asking a question to clarify. The captain is the one that was gagging. The first officer oh, was hyperventilating. Um, so it. we it had all mess. kinds of physiological issues going on here. Uh, other findings, post occurrence Okay, I'm confused
2: ahead. as to why the first officer was still unconscious, though at 8,000 feet.
1: I don't know. You do. tell us about hyperventilation. I mean, I mean it, mm, is it supposed to yeah, the mean, effects supposed to last? He still
2: hyperventilating, but if he's unconscious, then things kind of reset, <laughs> and he shouldn't continue to hyperventilate. How do you
1: hyperventilate when you're unconscious? That doesn't seem that's exactly like it's possible. That's my point. Well, yeah, you, you don't.
4: But when you come round again, then you, you hyperventilate again. again, and you then can, you, you can go you can, right oh, back. You oh, just again.
2: Start the circ cycle all over again. Yeah, you I guess
4: going to repetitive. Cycle. Yeah, wow. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm not quite sure why the captain was gagging on his oxygen. What, oh, because when you go to emergency, it's
1: under high pressure, and I guess he didn't know how to so he, yeah. manage it's, that. It's not that high pressure, no. and he, it's supposed to be
4: uh, under pressure and under percent. Right, it's supposed to have a slight overpressure. Why on earth would it cause him to gag?
2: Some people are sensitive to those things, Nick. No well, some people have a very pilot
4: wouldn't be because very like high sp- gag
2: reflexes. <laughs>
4: <laughs> you're supposed to be able to wear your oxygen mask on a hundred percent if you need to without
2: gagging. I'm I'm not making excuses for. No, no, me, no. I'm just, I, I'm just are... going.
4: What on earth has this guy done in the past that he hasn't ever put his oxygen mask on hundred percent before and worn it and Worked out what it feels like.
1: Well, I just think you're just being too critical.
4: <laughs> well, it's still a good time to find out that you can't wear your oxygen mask. I know you would have thought it that makes you gag when you're in the middle of a mess.
1: <laughs> you would have thought that you're right that he would have understood that this could be a risk factor with a uh, a high um, gag reflex factor. Yeah. Oh no! What is my computer doing? It's doing weird things. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> It's <laughs> flashing and doing all. What's okay. it doing
2: now? What's it
4: doing? I don't
1: now? know. Uh, okay, I think did I did. You got... buy
4: one built by Airbus?
1: Maybe it's the yeah. keyboard. What are you doing? Stop! Did you spill something on it? No.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <gasps> I didn't. Uh
3: oh! This doesn't sound good.
1: <laughs> okay,
4: we'll take your word for it, Jeff.
1: Okay, so I'm doing a I'm doing a command. Um, tilde which kind of switches from one window to another and apparently um that's not working very well on my machine
3: i think your computer's gagging
4: this is your new one
1: yeah Yeah, yes a brand new one (laughs) which i think i'll be taking back i hope i still am within the 14 day period because it's doing just really weird things yeah it's brand new um anyway so um,
2: macbook with the the
1: whatever chip? No, it's a Mac one. Mini M1. Oh. Uh. All right. So I think I think everything is settled down now. Okay. <sighs> All right. This is going to be fun editing. Okay. I can't,
4: I can't wait classic. to hear
1: it. What's that, Nick?
4: I can't wait. I can't wait
1: to hear it. Also, the, I think fine the... fine uh, editing you'll do. The... Um, the uh, internet connection that I have here, I, I'm having to use my telephone hotspot, and I think the latency is really bad because I think you're getting what I'm saying about two seconds after I said it. So okay, hmm. that's not good.
2: I'll just need <sighs> an extra two seconds no, no, before no. I speak.
1: No, just like think about what you're going to say, and then say it two seconds before it.
2: <laughs> okay, <laughs> <laughs> I can do that too.
1: Good. You probably can. <laughs> Okay. Where was I? Yeah. So we were talking about the gagging reflex. Um, That just seems kind of weird to me. Um, Yeah. The, the high pressure oxygen, when you go to emergency on your um, demand oxygen system, I mean, it's not something that is hard to overcome at all. And as Nick is pointing out, not quite sure why this person had, maybe it was combined with the apprehension or anxiety that they were experiencing regarding the fact that the airplane was going unpressurized whatever um, the flight crew consulted the quick reference handbook and conducted the non-normal checklist when they first had that intermittent um, white right wing box overheat enunciation or wing body overheat enunciator this procedure removed the bleed air pressure from the right wing bleed air duct by closing the isolation valve that's good. Switching off the right air conditioning pack, that's good. And turning off the bleed air source from the right engine, also good. Following the completion of the non-normal procedure, the right wing body overheat enunciator remained illuminated, and the master caution light continued to flicker. Additionally, the uh, right wing body duct pressure gauge in the cockpit displayed a residual pressure of 14 pounds per square inch, indicating to the crew that the duct remained pressurized, despite that the system was isolated. The flight crew concerned with the potential for leakage of high temperature bleed air into the right wing. They contacted their uh, Sydney line maintenance operations by VHF Radio for technical assistance. So when they were talking to them, the flight crew began a process of troubleshooting with the intention of isolating the bleed air duct and extinguishing extinguishing the right wing body overheat enunciator light. The flight crew advised of the already completed steps and discussed the non-normal checklist with the engineer. The engineer advised the flight crew to cycle components of the system and monitor the right bleed air. Duct pressure. After noting that the residual pressure was lowest when the right pack was switched to auto, the engineer, so I guess the line maintenance people told him to go to auto. And I think what happens when you do that is that left pack, the operating pack, goes, oh, okay, you're turning the other one on, so I'm going to go to a lower pressure. And then it just was all downhill from there, literally. Um, it just, uh, the cabin couldn't maintain cabin altitude and uh, they had to initiate the emergency descent. So but the physiological thing is still kind of I uh, got me scratching my head as far as in one place in here it talks about the first officer being unconscious, even I think even after he they landed. And uh but he also was hyperventilating. I don't know. I can't make really much sense of this whole thing.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm not certain about the physiologic things that they experienced. They sound a little bit strange to me as well. Yeah.
4: Yeah, they started talking about a possibility of fumes in the cockpit. Um, hmm. And then, you know, the, I, I took a long read of the, uh, the original um, information. Mm-hmm. And people were talking about um, getting, uh, I can't remember the term now because it isn't here. Uh, when you get uh, oxygen, too much oxygen for oh, a yeah. long period, you can... Suffer something which Steph meant about because it's a medical condition and it's mm. called, Steph? I have no idea. Oxygen narcosis? Oxygen, o- oxygen
2: um, intoxication? I don't actually know what it's called, if there's a technical
4: term. There, it, it, oxygen can become toxic to your body if you get. Yeah, to for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it, you need it.
2: Made in I mean,
4: yeah. Uh, I've been, uh, most of us in the military have. Uh, been subjected to high pressure oxygen, oxygen, oxygen for oxygen toxicity yeah so and i'm happen. going there's no way you can get that or shouldn't be able to get that in the few minutes that they were on oxygen um, took time to descend and then they could have taken their masks off if they wanted but uh I'm, j- I'm just a bit concerned about um how um poorly this is the, the physiological physiological events that occur here are being reported. I don't understand why they haven't really pinned down in this report exactly what happened to the crew
2: so you know if you do have um if you are um Breathing in too high levels of ox- too high of levels of oxygen at high partial pressures for too long, um, there are a couple different things that can happen. You can get uh, chemical toxicity within the lungs themselves, um, so that can cause damage. You can get damage to your retina and your eyes. You can have um, endocrine effects. You can have toxic effects in the central nervous system. Um, but to be perfectly honest, I don't know how. Uh, Long you would have to do that for. Um, I'm trying to do some quick searching here to see some of those things. So, six to 10 minutes exposure, you can feel kind of, I guess, have some nausea or some like twitching of um, kind of facial areas, like your lips and things like that. You can have some diaphragm spasm, um, but that's six to 10 minutes. So, I don't know how long they were on the high partial pressure of oxygen before.
1: Well, some, somebody's making a nice comment in the chat room. <laughs> so, this is what my computer's I wonder do. who that was, Jeff. <laughs> I just typed one of those words. And <laughs> just went oh my God. <laughs> <I'm Uh-oh. sorry. laughs> no, I have not had too much coffee. <laughs> your,
3: co- your computer has.
1: So I think, yeah, I don't know what's going on with this thing. Uh, I think that uh, the word that you were looking for <laughs> might be hyperventilation. No, wait. No, that's what they mm, – no, no, it's not.
2: Oxygen toxicity.
1: Oh, yeah, that one too.
2: Now, hyperventilations,
4: <laughs> when you breathe so much, you drive out all the co uh, yeah, yeah,
2: hyperventilation does not cause oxygen toxicity.
4: Oh.
1: No. Well, then never
2: mind. But then again,
4: there, there are an awful lot of uh, military pilots that fly around all the time on 100% oxygen. Mm-hmm. The Navy do it all the time. I mean, lots of people do it all the time. And yeah. They're usually getting it under pressure when they're at altitude. So I'm I'm still confused why they're not all suffering side effects. No one is. They're they're all fine. Well, I don't know. if you ever fly with those be guys? One pilot. I would <laughs> I would argue. Well, I've with met that.
1: A few, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of making a lot You'd of sense to, to me be, now. Uh,
4: yeah. I know. All right. Uh, anyway, by the way, it sounds like this problem was a sensor failure. There wasn't actually a problem, yeah. at all. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. And a- it
2: was induced by following mm-hmm. checklist yeah. procedures for something that didn't exist in reality. Well,
4: life. I think the checklist procedures were probably fine. It's when they got on the engineer. Uh, yes. Did they? <laughs> did they start getting advice that when they bring, received the help uh, a little bit? Yes. Exactly. Right. That they had the they actually managed to turn off the remaining pack and the airplane. so um, it, I think it's a collection of um, very strange events for this flight, and uh, uh, i'm'm I'm, it's an awful lot of guff here as well.
1: I think that if uh, they had just initially said, look, we have an issue, we're going to accomplish the QRH procedure, and now let's go to, let's divert right away, get the thing on the ground, and then we can figure out what's going on after we are on the ground. Instead of trying to push on, trying to resolve the situation without diverting, and then basically causing an emergency by their procedures, and then having to divert anyway, I mean, that's just something, you know, it kind of reminds me of the, uh, I forgot the number of the flight, the, uh, uh, MD 80, uh, that, uh, Alaska MD 80, that, uh, they were trying to do troubleshooting with the stab trim and that, uh, all the troubleshooting that they worked through finally just basically wore off the remaining, um, threads of the, of the nut, uh, the, uh, the ACME, Nut is what it's called, believe it or not. Nothing to do with Acme Airlines, and uh, that uh, basically caused the thing to, to be completely uncontrollable. And then, of course, we know the thing crashed into the uh, Pacific Ocean. I know that's a little bit different situation, but still, they were trying to do the what they thought was the right thing by troubleshooting in the air instead of getting on the ground, and because they wanted to provide you know the the service to the passengers that the passengers had purchased. Uh, but, uh, in hindsight, they, if they had immediately, uh, gotten the thing on the ground, I think that there was a good chance that everybody would still be a lot. Well, maybe they'd be dead now because they might be old, but, uh, do you remember when that happened? Um, anyway, you know what I mean? Quit laughing at me, Liz. It, you're, you're hurting my confidence.
2: It was 2000.
1: Something like that. Or it was 19, Maybe January 31st,
2: 2000.
1: Wasn't Okay. Okay. You're, and that's the correct answer. <laughs> okay. Love it. I love that sound effect, Steph. All right. Um, I just wanted to
2: add a little extra to my responses on the show.
1: <laughs> Thank you. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. Um, you um, game game on- show here, it is a game show. It's, it's a horrible game show. <laughs> Are we ready to do uh, item D?
2: Been ready. Good news. Uh, I've just got
4: one paragraph here. Okay. Could I just read this? Yes, please. ATSB uh, research into pilot incapacitation occurrences showed that the majority of cases were due to gastrointestinal illness, such as food poisoning. There were no reported incidents involving incapacitation due to hyperventilation. The report noted that once declared incapacitated, the pilot was often removed from active flying duty and the flight sometimes diverted. Such as occurred in this instant. It's an interesting thing to add on to the end, which I thought, wonder why they put that there.
2: Because they anyway. couldn't figure out why this guy was incapacitated from reported hyperventilation yeah. either, basically.
4: Yeah. Yeah, I think so.
1: And they're thinking, how are we going to put this report out and not sound completely. Yeah.
4: Got to put some fact in. Yeah,
1: I don't know. <laughs> Random. <laughs> Random <laughs> yes. or. Anyway. Yeah.
4: Like we don't know what we're talking about.
1: Well, we understand that. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, Let's move to this next one. Uh, Item D. um, Delta announced just not long ago that they're going to hire more than 1,000 pilots as it plots its recovery. And now I've lost complete control of of my computer. I can't scroll down. So, who would like to read that? Good.
2: I will read for you. Um, Good purchase.
1: Good purchase.
2: This is from Bloomberg, I believe. Yes. So, um, let's see. I'll start over here. Delta Airlines plans to hire more than a thousand pilots by next summer to support its expected recovery from the devastation of the pandemic and an expansion of its route work. Domestic leisure travel will return to pre-pandemic volumes this month, said um, John Lafter, Delta's operations chief, in a memo to flight operations employees on Monday. Travel restrictions across the Atlantic should ease in the second half of the year, he said, building on recent market openings in Spain, France, Italy and Greece. Delta had 12,940 pilots at the end of last year, excluding those at a wholly owned regional carrier. The new additions would mean an increase of about 8% in the number of pilots at the airline's core operations. U.S. airlines have been expanding flights in recent weeks to accommodate consumers who are packing planes for long-delayed vacations and family reunions. About 20% of Delta employees took early retirement or left voluntarily during the height of the pandemic last year, and more than half took unpaid leaves of varying lengths. This is all good news, but we should keep in mind that while our leisure customers are coming back, our fares aren't back at the same level. Uh, Delta has said it expects to report a profit for the month of June. Um, I guess somewhat related, American Airlines Group canceled 950 flights scheduled for the first two weeks of July after the faster-than-expected rush to travel led to crew shortages. The carrier also scrapped 775 flights over the weekend and into Monday as poor weather at three of its hubs worsened the pilot shortfall. Uh, Delta will start the first training class this week for pilots who had received conditional job offers before coronavirus. And the Atlanta-based airline also said it would add 13 crew schedulers and a supervisor.
1: There you have it. There you have it. Also, I just heard uh, driving to work yesterday morning that uh, United has announced a huge order of uh, aircraft, um, Boeing and Airbus. Yeah, like huh?
2: Several hundred aircraft?
1: Yeah. Two hundred ninety. Something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, is my signal like messed up?
2: No. Your no, video no, is a little clear. choppy. You You sound fine.
1: Okay. Yeah, I'm trying to fix what's going on here. Um, yeah, they said they were gonna. They They have put in an order for two hundred ninety airplanes, including uh, like a one hundred and fifty Boeing seven thirty seven Max, the bigger one, the Dash mm-hmm. ten. And I think 50 of the smaller Dash 8 and some Airbus models as well. I think um, mostly 321s, uh, if I'm not mistaken. And they also added that they were going to be hiring in uh, about 25,000 new employees to staff the um, increase in wow. aircraft fleet.
2: Yeah. I mean, they're basically going to turn over a large portion of their fleet so, they're trying to refresh
1: and okay. have things shiny and new. Shiny and new. Okay.
2: Yeah. You know, I, I think we talked about this a little bit back in the – at the height of the pandemic last year, um, you know, we were experiencing, especially here in the United States and other places in the world, we had talked for so long about this impending pilot shortage and then uh, air travel – basically fell off uh, everyone's radar completely when we weren't allowed to go anywhere and uh, really ill-advised to do so. Um, but I think a lot of those actions that took place to allow airlines to survive and make it through that time in terms of you know early retirements and furloughs and and people voluntarily leaving, um, it's really just going to exacerbate that pilot shortage as we get back into the normal swing swimming of things.
4: Well, I, I'm sure that it was exacerbated Partly because um, airlines were offering early redundancy, mm-hmm. a lot of pilots were going. Oh, I'm close to retirement. I'm gonna, you know,
2: I'm gonna, gonna take jump it. There now. are good deals.
4: Yeah, you know, and uh, I suspect that uh, you know uh, some airlines may have lost ten, even twenty percent of their pilots who have no intention of coming back now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, well, and I think uh,
2: on on top of that too, we saw a reduction in flight training over that time frame, so you don't have people. Yeah. Waiting in the wings to build these class dates that are going to be opening up.
1: Yep. So for sure,
2: going to be interesting.
1: Yep. Yeah, the uh, but the-
2: having flown relatively recently, I mean, at least here in Charlotte, walking through the airport, things look very normal in terms of passenger volume
1: and you know people back in the airport. Yeah. But it's haven't awesome. you said that um, that particular air, airline at your.
2: Yeah, it's been. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, the latency is horrible here. Sorry. Uh, the it's that sorry. airline go ahead, go ahead. at uh, your Charlotte hub uh, has been pretty much been operating almost as normal for the entire pandemic, right?
2: I wouldn't say as normal. I think they've they've, um, you know, they weren't doing a lot of things that other airlines were doing in terms of blocking middle seats or reducing volume on uh, specific flights, um, but schedules were definitely reduced.
1: Okay.
2: And they were the ones that had to cancel all those flights the other weekend when, um, oh, hey, we don't have enough crew to staff these flights.
1: Yeah. And they're not the only ones that were having that issue. No. So uh, anyway, um, that's so it's good news here in the U.S. anyway. Things are really picking up. And uh, I really wish that A lot of the folks that we know that are pilots over there in uh, the UK and Europe, who have lost their jobs and are waiting for everything to come back there, I wish they were they were able to and and Canada too, come over here to the US and get hired by some American airline and and uh, be gainfully employed and flying again. But I guess there are some other issues involved, like you know green cards and visas and well, you know right to
2: work in the United States and and licensing. Change differences, so it's not just a simple. Oh, hey, you're a pilot and you're qualified on this aircraft. Come over and.
4: But I wish it was that easy.
1: You know, if it were that easy, but I guess yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm.
4: Well, I've no doubt that the airlines get that desperate. They'll try and find some way to allow the government these to let these folk in as uh, in some kind of temporary visa, temporary work visa for a few years, perhaps. Um, There's usually ways around this if you're desperate enough
2: sure yeah and maybe it's a catalyst for change going forward to allow more flexibility hmm. yeah no 380s here sorry Stefan
4: Stefan you can fly a 380 means you can fly anything
1: <laughs> that's right
4: that 380 license just gives you carte blanche to fly any airplane that's a little bit
1: smaller that is the way it works I'm pretty sure
2: <laughs> so you'll be starting on the CRJ200 <laughs>
1: Ah, uh, all right. and I'm just having trouble just doing anything here on this computer. Okay, um,
2: functioning. okay.
1: <laughs> yeah. What's this going on here? Oh no, more bad passenger behavior. Think about what? That, that song never happens. From cops, bad boys. Uh, thank you, Liz. She's singing it to me. <laughs> but nobody else can hear it. Um, <laughs> uh, let's see. This, uh, uh, let's see. This was sent in by Jez or Gez. I'm thinking Jez. I don't know what do you guys think. Gez. Maybe
2: hmm. just Gez. Gez. Or Is- Gez. Sent this in. Gez,
1: Jez, yeah. I'm, I'd say. Um, he's, he or she says the craziness just doesn't stop. It gives us a link to a CNN.com article. And, uh, Ends with TT4N, which I believe is Tata for now. Um, tata for now. Okay. Los Angeles International Airport, LAX. After an altercation on board, a man jumps out of a taxiing airplane. Ooh, that's kind of fun. Um, it's bold. He was injured Friday after jumping out of a United Express flight that was taxiing from a gate area at the Los Angeles International Airport. Uh, Los Angeles. And I feel
2: terrible for him.
1: Do you? Sorry.
2: That he was injured? No,
1: not really. No. About 7, 10 p.m. local time, the man opened the door of the aircraft, activated the emergency slide, and exited onto the taxiway. Well, at least he had, you know, the the brains to figure out that you need the emergency slide to prevent injury. And the injury. said
3: taxiway, not runway.
4: It, it didn't work.
2: <laughs> no, he got injured anyway.
1: Well, yeah, but maybe he would have been more injured. I don't know. Um, but uh, at the journalist got the correct um nomenclature nomencl-
4: nomenclature
1: nomenclature
4: nomenclature yeah um nomenclature
1: yeah um uh, oh, no, uh, they didn't say it was the runway <laughs> uh let's see Los Angeles Airport police and Los Angeles Fire Department responded immediately the flight was operated by SkyWest Airlines hmm you know those pilots of SkyWest are kind of yeah. eh. mm-hmm. um well, they were heading to Salt Lake City According to the FAA, an altercation occurred. Okay, we just talked about that. A passenger who exited the aircraft was apprehended, taken to a local hospital where he was treated for his injuries, his boo-boos. Authorities are investigating the incident and working to determine the passenger's motive. And then there's another article here that talks about it as well. Um, Oh, no, this is a different, this is another incident uh, at LAX. Police say that the male driver of a gray Mazda hatchback with the letters SOS written on the hood. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Turn-
2: <laughs> Help really? Help me. <laughs> Doesn't
1: everybody, though, uh, turned off Imperial Highway on the south side of the airport and headed straight for the gate at the FedEx warehouse. After crashing through the chain link gate, the driver sped past a line of FedEx jumbo jets parked in the tarmac. <laughs> Or the runway, your choice, and then proceeded to speed across runways two five left and two five right. He made a U turn and crossed them again. Yeah, for good measure. On busy days, runway two. That's 25... why I always
4: use the two fours at L.A. Oh, do? you never okay. know what's going to happen on the two fives? Yeah,
1: that's, it's a little bit of chaos down in, there. That's Indian country down there. <laughs>
2: that's the oh. <some> Wild West.
1: <laughs> it is. <laughs> on busy days, runways two five left and two five right have aircraft landing or taking off approximately every minute. The pursuit came close to several bustling loading and unloading areas, unloading and loading areas only of LAX, though there were the no white collisions. Zone is for and the white, white zone. Really,
2: There is no stopping in the red zone.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and no injuries <laughs> reported. Exactly. Uh insert airplane movie sound clip here. Mm-hmm. This sounds blah. Wait, more no, you like got to wait Blues for me Brothers. to insert the sound clip. Hang on. Got a little bit more oh, time. Okay, oh, okay. Go on then. Unloading of passengers
4: only. Okay, now go. <laughs> <laughs> this sounds more like the Blues Brothers. It does. does quite does. honestly. <laughs> they, they had a dozen police cruisers chasing this
2: guy. But I want to know how many of the airport. police cruisers just flipped for no good reason as they took a sharp corner <laughs> yeah, or, yeah. oh. or not. <laughs> yeah.
4: yeah. At least half of them, I suspect.
1: Okay. <laughs> oh, it's quite something for sure. I'm. Sure. <laughs> <sighs> okay. Well. I don't know. What else can we say about that? Nothing really. Okay. I,
2: I don't know. Mm-hmm.
1: All right. And then finally, <laughs> thank, thank goodness. Um, an ex-APD. Oh, boy. Nick is going to have fun with this one. Ex-APD. No, oh, I'm not. No, okay. it's very sad. This is sad. Oh, it's yeah. sad. Okay. Yeah. Ex-APD officer yeah. wife among five killed in hot air balloon crash on West Side. This is a Albuquerque Police Department officer. This is from the Albuquerque journal, uh, rescue crews. Oh, well, hang on. I'm trying to scroll down so I can read the article. Here we go. A former Albuquerque police officer and his wife are among the five people who died when the hot air balloon they were struck or were in struck power lines and crashed near a busy West side intersection Saturday morning. Again, this is in Albuquerque Martin Martinez, 59 and Mary Martinez, 62 were pronounced dead at the scene along with a pilot and another female passenger, according to the Albuquerque Police Department. A man rushed to the hospital with severe injuries sustained in the crash also died. Gilbert Galagos, an Albuquerque Police Department spokesman, said the deceased ranged from their 40s to 60s. They were all from Albuquerque. Balloon Chase crew members and others at the scene said they knew the pilot but did not give his name. This is just such a tragic loss, fellow pilot Buzz Birnick Bernacki said his face streaked with tears martin martinez retired from apd as a patrol officer and was currently a police sergeant for albuquerque public schools he and his wife have a son who is currently an apd transport officer uh let's see is there anything else about what happened here in the accident um oh i
3: think it was just freshly happened there aren't too many details.
1: okay this yeah. news report was uh, soon after the accident uh but there is a um, statement here that says the balloon envelope was found at a separate location south of the incident. The cause of the crash is unknown. Uh, looks like the um, the balloon gondola had fallen 100 feet to the ground after striking the power lines. Yeah, that's not good.
4: That's hmm. no, How tragic. high are the power lines over there in the States?
1: They, well, they're big. Some here.
2: of them are pretty high.
1: Yeah, probably well, like some of
4: them make up to be pretty,
1: very about, high. About mm-hmm. 2,000 feet, I'm thinking. No, I'm just kidding. Not that high. Um, <laughs>
2: no, not that high.
1: That they haven't that high. I'm in trying Texas, to think about the really
2: um, not, not tall, here. like high tension power lines. Are those yeah. 100 feet?
1: Yeah, high. Probably.
2: Sometimes, probably.
1: Yeah,
4: because yeah. it it sounds like mm-hmm. there was uh, a separation of the basket from the uh, yeah yeah mm-hmm.
2: that's balloon. What
4: they're... The basket came down its own, and then like, there's a picture of the balloon. It's just looks like it's completely emptied and just streaming mm-hmm. streaming down. Mm-hmm. Pluster and the basket window. looks
2: like it came down someplace completely different yeah. based on the pictures.
4: Very yeah. sad. For, yeah, for sad. all the jokes that uh, I make about uh, uh, ballooning, um, you know, you just don't want to see this sort of thing.
2: No. No.
4: Not at Very all. Very so. sad.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, if you're a uh, balloonatic out there, be careful, okay? Watch out for those power lines. I'm I'm sure there must have been it. some circumstance that caused that. I'm sure the pilot didn't purposely fly into them. Oh,
3: I-Hall is making
1: a good point no. here. Oh, i haul boxes is making a good point. They must be that high for the electric airplane. Oh, that's true. they got to get them the up way up numbers. there for the electric airplanes. Because yeah. <laughs> they have those things connected. Yeah, Good one. Good point.
4: Uh, what are they called? Um, Pantians or something? Pan something? Pantaloons.
1: I'm sure they have a Pantean. Mountain- <laughs> uh, pen- no, that's not <laughs> <laughs>
4: You you could connect your pantaloons to the Pantamons. electricity if you want, Jeff.
1: <laughs> okay, I think I'll pass on that. I'm um, trying to find a way to get to this window to play the sound effect that I want to play right now. Oh, I've, I finally got it to settle down. Okay, that's the news for this episode. Wasn't that nice?
4: <laughs> I made it was yeah, a, <laughs> a little bit shambolic. <laughs>
1: Ah, getting to know us, getting to like us, getting to hope you like us too. There's some extra words in there I have to insert. That's why it's so awkward. Well, it's one reason why it's so awkward. Um, So this is the part of the show that if you're just if this is the first time that you've ever watched our show. It's not usually <laughs> <apologize>. this bad. We <laughs>
5: like,
1: I've lost control. I think of my it's going pretty well. Brand new computer that's not working right, and I'm not very happy about that. Uh, getting so to where's know Rick us.
3: Rick this week, Jeff.
1: Where's oh, where's Rick? Rick this week, Liz? Well, I thought you knew. Yeah. Oh, you want me to tell the audience? Ah, I yeah. got gotcha. you. Okay. Uh, yeah, Rick cannot join us today because he is at home. And normally he would be joining us. However, uh, they're doing work at their home in the Valley of the Sun. And one of those items that uh, is being accomplished at the home this afternoon while we're recording, or this morning, whatever time it is there, um, is tile work. And I think demolishing the current tile floor or something. I don't know. Demolition Jack work. Jackhammering. Jackhammering. All kinds of noise. Yeah. yeah. So he says it's probably Sounds not going to be... But, you know, in hindsight, I'm thinking it wouldn't have made much difference. We should have had him on anyway. It would just been, you know, added to the whole chaos of this show. But, oh, well, we miss you, Rick. Hopefully, uh, yeah, no long guys up here on the seventh floor, Liz. So at least I got that going for me. Um, So anyway, it's a part of the show where we uh, talk about what we have been doing or what has happened to us individually during uh shows and since the last one uh yeah not much um let's see nick uh you want to start because i'm going to be taking up a lot of time uh
4: yeah well about the only thing that happened was i got a, a lovely uh, cardboard box all the way from america yay, yay! great excitement um uh, particularly since it managed to avoid uh, any c- customs
1: duty. So I was very grateful for that. Oh, really? I, um, I meant to ask so, you about that. That's good. I'm I'm glad I, I, I valued it sense. at I'm, like I'm $10. Gonna, <laughs> I'm
4: going to put my mask on now because I, <laughs> I, got, I got given a mask. Can you, can you still hear me through my mask? Yes, unfortunately. Yes. Good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, this was a mask from Jeff, not Captain Jeff. But I'm going to, have to take it off now oh, because actually it smells very nicely of coffee. And it's a great mask uh, from uh, Jeff from Buell Java. These wonderful people that make great coffee. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the inside of it is lined with this lovely uh, material uh-huh. that has coffee and uh, pictures of coffee. I'll just say that that outside. was
2: my favorite winter mask because it's yeah, quite it warm. Is- Yes.
4: It is warm. It's quite uh, bulky, mm-hmm. so it'll be very safe. Um, and the outside, uh, on my case, it's um, covered in F-18s. So thank you very much indeed, yeah. uh, F-18 fighters all over the outside. I love that. That was, that was great. Um, the other thing... I think his girlfriend was the one that uh, made those uh, for us. Oh, she did a great job. They're, they're very sturdy. I appreciate that. Um, the other thing in my little present was uh, an aeroplane ice maker. Now, I will show you a picture, but it's actually quite hard. I have got ice cubes in the shape of aeroplanes now. Uh, they're actually um, Airbuses, because Airbuses are very cool. Uh-huh. Boom, boom. Are they now? <laughs> yes. Oh, I get it. Uh, and um, yeah, oh, well done, Jeff. You caught <laughs> up at last. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Jeff's about fourteen seconds behind, so you're just going to yeah. have to like pause <laughs> and wait. Almost and then unworkable. There will be a snarky response. Almost unworkable. Almost
4: <laughs> right now. Not quite though. Yeah.
2: Um,
4: and uh, a, a little gift from uh, Tim. Uh, is Tim in the uh, uh, in the chat room tonight? Don't Tim's oh, here today or not? I think. I think he is. Tim Van Ram?
1: Tim, are hey, you there? Anyway, thanks. Raise Tim. your hand. Uh, I've
4: already uh, independently thanked Tim uh, for. <laughs> A collection of hats, um, so uh, pretty random, but very welcome nevertheless. Uh, so I've got a few extra baseball hats now to wear. Should I ever buy a retriever, uh, um, and or if I ever change my name to Steve? Uh, so, that, thank you very much. <laughs> that, that'll mean something to Tim. <laughs> uh, yes. Well, we I, like yeah, referring so, to you as
1: Steve. <laughs>
4: Nick. Steve. Yeah, you can. You want if you want. Yeah, I'll be Steve from now. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to call me Steve McQueen, though. But, uh, oh, fine. Tim is here. So appreciate that, uh, and thank you, okay. thank you, Tim, in person, and thank you very much indeed, uh, Jeff, for uh, arranging the uh, transfer of those little gifts across. It was and, my pleasure. Uh, uh, <laughs> That's right. You, you just missed one thing out, which I know is still sitting in Atlanta. But there you go. I just like that. Yeah. At least one yeah. thing. Uh, anyway, <laughs> they, there's nothing much else happening uh, in my life from here. Uh, because uh, you know it's uh it's all that I can do to whip the crew into shape to get them to contribute to plain <laughs> that has been a week's worth of drama uh, so Mainly I'm really doing busy. that again <laughs> <laughs> it's her fault. Yeah.
2: I have a good excuse, which unfortunately I'm not going to completely elaborate on, but we will get to that in, in Yeah, apparently
4: course. apparently, that good excuse lasts a whole week so, uh, <laughs> we I was missing during the
2: week, I was planning on having time It was very time, traumatic you know. for her yeah.
4: Very traumatic <laughs> they, uh, yeah. Not during the Not Just planning. the classic person who <laughs> left it to left it the last moment and then got overtaken <laughs> by events I understand I feel this. seen uh, but I would just like to mention that part two of tonight's plain tale, which is happening next week, I'll need your input because you're <laughs> the only one who hasn't written the second half oh, crap. <laughs> of your input for part two. It's okay because so, that
2: extra time, that procrastination, I actually thought of better examples.
4: Okay, well, you I mostly have late. blocked
2: them from my mind, but I will get that to you. Too now. late
4: for part one, but no, you're no, no, very no, no. Part
2: one was was fine. Part okay, one, I had plenty far. of good candidates for, and I just picked one. Um, All right. But, but part, part two, two, I was struggling to give.
4: Well, now you thought of one. Uh, a sooner rather than later would be much appreciated. Uh, that's yeah. it. Uh, this is Nick <laughs> going over and out.
1: <laughs> Do you feel, I feel like I've
2: been slapped on the wrist? Oh, yeah.
1: I think Yeah. Three under the bus right there. <sighs> oh, well. Well, Steph, how have you, how have you been?
2: Oh, I've been good. Never better.
1: It's what what ha- what set. happened to Nick? <laughs> <Great week. laughs> oh, I, when did we do this last? Oh, there he is. Okay. I don't know. But when, between
2: him disappearing and like the very pronounced delay in your responses, it felt like I was alone there for a moment. I
1: know. I, I figured that everything had just completely frozen oh, my on my mind. machine.
2: <laughs> and I'm all by myself.
1: <laughs> um, I think it was last Wednesday that we were together in uh, yeah, Charlotte.
2: Was, yeah. Yes. Is that right?
1: Yes. Mm-hmm. Liz is saying yes. Okay.
2: Obviously not memorable for Steph. Okay. Yes, Obvi- yeah, Liz says obviously <laughs> yeah, not was.
1: memorable for you, Steph. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, it was. There's just there's been, I don't know, the past week feels like it might have been an eternity. Yeah. Specifically the weekend. Um, so, yeah, what happened um, after that? So, let me think, let me think, let me think. So, Saturday Thursday. there was some... No Thursday, Thursday and Friday are not anything that I need to, to talk about. That was just regular work for me. Um, Thursday was uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays have become very busy days for me. Um, just full schedules uh, keeps me out of trouble, so that's good. Um, Friday I was hoping to be done a little bit early, but I really wasn't, and then I had to do some maintenance of certification uh, questions for my my board certification that were due by the end of the month, and I figured that was a good enough good good as time as any to get it done which is why i did not do my plain tales homework that evening nick um and then saturday um thanks there was
4: i had so many excuses <laughs> uh, including uh-huh. that the dog ate my phone
2: uh-huh. <laughs> yeah i i threw all of them out there just anything i could think of like yeah um saturday flying Pretty much most of the day. So that was that was fun. We did um gosh, what did we do? I think there was um some delay in getting started. So they flew some one eighty two loads and I did I made a jump that day. I was trying to um test out a different canopy because they had someone there with um canopy. A canopy uh, (laughs) new rigs canopy. No thanks. (laughs) Uh, Anyway. For those who know what I'm talking about, I was hoping to test out a different rig from my own with a different canopy in it, something that I was hoping to think about purchasing in the future, but other people were using them. But I did have a to, chance to make a jump, so that was fun. And then I did end up flying quite a bit Saturday afternoon and evening. And Sunday, I flew in the morning. I think I flew five loads in the 182, because we had some lower ceilings, so we couldn't go to full altitude. And then... And then that a little more in just a second, so I will pause my story there, and we will kind of tag-team it, I think, when Jeff gets to that portion of his Ooh. weekend, because it also involves
1: Jeff. Uh-oh. Okay. Yes. Uh, so, uh, let's see. I finished up my trip on Thursday, I believe, last week after we recorded in Charlotte on Wednesday, and uh, it was relatively yeah, problem-free. And then uh, I was off on Friday think. No, I was off on, no, no, I was home. The heck? Yeah. I think I was off and I went back out on Friday. I'm so confused. Anyway, I picked up a green slip, which is, uh, Acme's, uh, way of getting overtime flying. And the green slip means that you get paid double pay. And it was nice and easy. It was one leg deadhead up to Louisville, Kentucky, and then spend the night up there Next morning, early, uh, fly from Louisville to Atlanta, and then Atlanta to Jackson, Mississippi. Nice, easy-peasy, short legs, relatively. Um, so we show up to the gate in uh, Louisville, and the gate to the uh, the Atlanta flight was, was there, and we walk up. It says Atlanta, departing at 7 o'clock. It's a little after 6 o'clock now, and I look out the window, and it's not my type of airplane. And I thought maybe I'm having a stroke and I just can't remember what my airplane looks like. And then no, I No, no, you the, fly
2: the Embraer 175. No, now, Oh, I, I, I do. What it was?
1: Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And I said to the agent, I said, uh, what's going on? And he go, oh, they're, they're just about to push back. They're running a bit late. Like, oh, okay. And then I said, so where's, where's our jet? And then he says, "Parked back there, you know, um, off, off the gate on the ramp area. Like, oh, okay. One hour. And, um. So I'm thinking, okay, they're going to have to go and get a crew to uh, get in the airplane and then a tug attached and bring it up to the gate. And then, uh, like, I see a bunch of people out there, ramp workers, just standing around. And uh, I'm thinking, why they're not, why are they not bringing our airplane to the gate? You know, it's getting now to be like 45 minutes from departure time. I mean, like maybe 10 minutes to boarding time, and our airplane's still not in the gate. And so uh, I I said, well, we need we need the airplane at the gate, and they go, yeah. Well, uh, I don't know what the problem is. So uh, I talked to a ramp worker, went down there, and said, what's going on? And they said, well, there's only one lady uh, employee here or employee at all that can ride the brakes um, to move the airplane over here. And I said, okay. And they said, well, she's uh, she went from the regionals to the to the uh, um, line flying, whatever, uh, what a mainline. And I said, "Uh uh-huh. And well, she, so she doesn't do that anymore. I said, okay, so who's going to do that? They go, we don't have anybody to do that. (laughs) Okay. okay. Can we do that? The pilots? "Uh, I guess so. (laughs) Okay. So, I uh, I grabbed my uh, iPad EFB and uh, <laughs> the co-pilot and I walked under the ramp and we got rides on uh, tugs way out to where the airplane was parked and of course it's completely dead uh, no no power on it nothing it's been sitting overnight so we had to do uh, thankfully I brought my EFB with me so I could you know have the instructions on how to do a battery start of the APU and all these different things and it some miraculously the thing started up with no issues and uh, so we got everything running enough to have the people connect the tug and pull it up to the gate. And then we finished all our pre-flight stuff. And anyway, just kind of like, um, who who's in charge here? What does anybody ever think about these things? Don't you do this every night? Yeah. Park these airplanes off gate. Um, has anybody thought of maybe training somebody to do this job because tomorrow, I mean, I'd really like to know what happened the next day (laughs) because they're going to have the same situation again with no one there. So I guess they're probably on time. We did. We left on time, Liz. So we got to Atlanta and then, uh, we, uh, prepared for our next flight to Jackson, Mississippi. And we, everything went relatively, uh, problem free until we were on descent approach. And in the very last phase of the, um, uh, approach to landing, just above a thousand feet. And one of the things I do, and I think I've mentioned it on the show before, is I, I listen to multiple things on my interphone panel. You know, radio, couple different radios. Um, also to the cabin interphone. I listen to the PA system. Uh, all these different things. And the reason for that is because sometimes, uh, and this proved to be the case in this situation, that that's my first inkling that something might be happening in the cabin otherwise you know because we're not looking out uh, a window through the door checking to see what's going on back there and i hear this single chime and uh, that chime is the sound made when somebody like steph is sitting in 1a and pushes the cabin flight attendant um button and it just goes ding i think i actually have a, yeah,
4: a thousand feet plenty of time for another drink
2: I mean, I could drink it.
1: It's exactly what that sounds like. So I hear. I, I, I hear <laughs>
2: How did you do that, Steph?
1: Yeah, do that Actually, again. Actually, that's Steph. my phone ringtone. Steph, go ahead and push the button. Mm-hmm. Go ahead reach up. Push the button. Sorry. Okay. There you go. It doesn't Brilliant. work very well with this latency. Sorry. Um, that's okay. Anyway, so I hear that and I'm thinking, oh, I bet somebody's back there wants to go to the bathroom and they just can't hold it or something. And I'm thinking, I'm not going to worry about it. You know, we're, we're continuing our landing approach. And then all of a sudden I hear another one. I'm thinking, dang it. And then I hear this communication over the PA. Uh, Is there a medical, a trained medical or whatever, um, qualified medical person on board? And I'm thinking, uh-oh. <laughs> and my first officer says, what? I said, something's happening back there. And then I get a, a another um, chime from the uh, flight attendant. And she says, actually, it sounds different than that on this airplane. Um, And she said, we have a guy, or not a guy. She said, a passenger in the back um, having a um, uh, seizure. Seizure, thank you. Seizure, wasn't it? Yeah, a seizure. And uh, I said, okay. And she said, um, have emergency services meet us at the gate. And I said, okay, got it taking care of it. So I just quickly popped off a radio call to tower saying, Hey, we have a, somebody in the back is experiencing some kind of a physiological incident. We need emergency services to meet us at the gate. And we just continued our landing. And I just told my co-pilot just make it nice and smooth. And, you know, uh, as, as you can uh, for the landing and yeah. easy on the brakes, get her down. And because there's something really serious happening in the back and we don't have time to do a go around. And I didn't say all this, but that's what I'm thinking. Not time to do a go around and try to figure out what's happening and everything else. I think uh, time was of essence here. And so I got it on the ground and then I taxied back to the gate uh, at Southwest taxi speed times two or three. Um, And people that know me and who have actually ridden on um, any of the flights that I've operated already know that I like to taxi kind of fast. Because I'm a Southwest That's Airlines wannabe, uh, but I taxied even faster than almost I was <laughs> comfortable with. But we got to the gate very quickly. Emergency services were um, getting to the gate about the same time we were, and uh, so um, we. I told everybody to stay in their seats. Allow the emergency medical. People to get on the airplane and get back to. The, of course, this passenger is way in the back. At this point, we still don't know. The A line still doesn't know if this is a male or female passenger, or what age or anything. And um, and she's she was great. She was like on the PA telling the rather new flight attendant in the back, "Okay, open up the overhead bin, get the emergency medical kit out, get the um, what is it called again? The defibrillator. Im- yes, that thing. Oh, nobody AED. can hear you, Liz. <laughs> <laughs> I can The AED. Yes, the AED." And, um, but, uh, a couple of doctors that were sitting in the front had already made it back there and were already working on the patient, had him in the aisle on the floor. Uh, one of the doctors, when I was talking with him after the fact said that that was probably what saved his life. Instead of trying to work on him in the seat, they got him on the floor in the aisle, which is not a big aisle on this airplane. And, uh, we're starting chest compression, CPR, all that kind of stuff. And I said, well, did you use the, uh, AED, And they said, no, we didn't have time. And I said, oh, so probably you know, just
2: meaning that they by the time the emergency services were on the plane, they were able to just transfer him because that's, you know,
1: well, no, they said yeah. that um, they didn't have time to use our uh, defibrillator. Um, thing. Right. But, I mean, don't no, have that's to, what I mean, is that you don't, don't have p- to wait for them to do it because it's it's um, something that I think anybody can use back there right
2: yeah absolutely i mean okay. you would do it as quickly as possible but what i infer from that it just means that in the time of things it didn't get to them before emergency services actually did by the time they were no you were on no the ground no that's feet. not
1: what he was saying he said oh? that they were doing cpr um at the time mm. uh, no this is all well, before so we even got just to the just, gate just
2: yeah but you have one on the plane
1: yeah I think we're we're, we're miscommunicating yeah. here. We have a lot of light. I think or we something. are here. Um, so what he said, yeah, because was basi- it,
2: you're, even though you're doing CPR, even though you're doing CPR, you're still going to be putting the AED on. The but
1: patient. they didn't. But they didn't. It, while CPR
2: is in progress, they did. not So that's though. why I'm inferring that maybe perhaps there was a timing issue there, which is what he meant. Right.
4: Because uh, you you can't bring someone back from fibrillation just doing CPR. You've got to shock them um, back out of. They uh, didn't. They
1: didn't shock them.
2: Well, you can. No, you can. Really? You can have spondi- Yeah, you can have return of spontaneous um um uh, circulation with just regular CPR for sure.
4: Okay. I didn't awesome. know that was a thing.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. And he said I said so I uh, he, I said so was was he got he said he was he was gone. He was dead. Um and they brought him back and uh so I thought, "Oh, good job." <laughs> I'm really happy because uh if you if somebody dies on the flight, then I have a lot of uh, a heck of a lot of paperwork to do. Um so that sounded compassionate. Well, I'm sorry, that didn't sound compassionate at all, did it? I was trying to be funny, but it didn't sound that way. Sorry. Um, anywho, um, the passenger survived, and uh, not only that, and um, when the emergency services people got on the airplane when we arrived at the gate, uh, they tried to carry him off because they couldn't really get the gurney through the aisle back to the back of the airplane. And they were going to try to use an aisle chair or something like that. He walked off the airplane. And then when they got outside the front door of the airplane, um, they tried to get him to sit in a wheelchair and he said, no, I'll walk. And they couldn't convince him to get in the wheelchair. And so he walked up the jetway (laughs) and into the terminal. I mean, he just had a heart attack. He just basically sort of died there and got brought back to life. So, uh, I'm thinking to myself that maybe this guy, uh, maybe this is not the first time that he's experienced this. He probably thought, ah, this has happened a couple of times before. So, yeah, that's cool.
2: I I have questions about the whole scenario and um, the statements that were made about the events that transpired. But at any rate, it sounds like a serious and alarming medical event that occurred. And I'm glad that the individual is doing well.
1: Yeah, I think one of the problems was that the flight attendant in the back didn't get the AED out of the overhead bin. In time. Right.
2: Yes. That's what I was trying yeah. to say more or less.
1: Yeah. But, anyway. but, um, okay. So whatever, um, happy ending.
2: I mean, I'm not questioning any, anything that happened or any, any decision making that happened. It's, it sounds mm-hmm. like it all had a very happy outcome and people did what they were trained to do.
1: So. Yeah. yeah. And I'm glad that the guys were there and were, um, willing to, uh, volunteer their time to save someone's life. So <laughs> there you go. Anyway. So that was exciting. And yeah. there were some more issues with the hotel that we don't have to go into. Um, not worth it. it. takes too much time anyway. Um, yeah, let's see. Oh, and also during the weekend, several, I guess a lot of the fans of the show fly on the weekends because normally I don't see so many. Um, there was, uh, somebody on the flight getting off in Atlanta. I think after we came in from Louisville that said, uh, Hey, Captain Jeff, enjoy the podcast. And then he, you know, gets off the airplane. I was going, but like, you know, I think his name was Matt. Didn't have time. I think he had to go and catch a flight or something. Um, and then there was another Matt that posted on Facebook, Matt Peters. Matt Peters and, uh, he posted on Facebook that he had just missed, uh, meeting me in Atlanta. I think also just coming in from Louisville on that Saturday morning. Um, and, uh, so sorry, uh, we or I missed you, Matt, the other Matt. And then uh, when we were in Louisville on the on the Friday night, we were waiting for the hotel van and met a another listener of the show. He's a pilot for Republic, and I'm really, really terribly sorry. I've kind of forgotten your name. I think it starts with a C, but I can't remember. So I'm not even going uh, to try re- to say it because it's probably going to be wrong. So it was a, a pleasure meeting you. And a lot of things happened later on the trip, and I just. That got pushed out of my brain, so I'm sorry about that. But I did remember to mention you, so shout out to the Republic Pilot in Louisville. And then uh, on Sunday, I got home Sunday morning, and then on Sunday late afternoon, I drove down to meet up with uh, Steph and Mike and uh, your friend uh, Steph Karen,
2: mm-hmm. my friend Karen uh,
1: in Atlanta, and they were there to would that pick be up. Mike that, that would Mike be Mike Carroll. That would be
2: Mike Carroll picking up our. Yes. our- for the Peachtree Road race, which is upcoming this um this Sunday. It's actually happening Saturday and Sunday. Oh. They split the race into two days. Um just mostly to so because it's it's one of the biggest races in the country. I think uh twenty nineteen when I participated, there were sixty thousand runners for this 10K race. Um so they split it and did half of the field on Saturday and they're doing half of the field on Sunday. Um that's neither here nor there, but it's upcoming this weekend. Um but some odd things this year um there was they didn't mail bib numbers which i believe they've done in the past you had to pick it up in person um and even if you're gonna have someone else pick it up for you they had to have a copy of like your driver's license and your vaccine card and, and i was like well shoot it's a 30 minute flight down there i'll meet up with mike and my friend karen will be there I'll what get could some go wrong? airline miles what could go wrong it'll be you know just a fun Afternoon, evening, we'll get a nice dinner somewhere. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm not going to go into all of the details, um, but let's just say that it was a far more um, exciting and involved weekend or evening than we anticipated. Um, Some of us got food and some of us did not. some and of you were
4: handcuffed and others were. <laughs> <or
2: not. laughs> Thanks for sharing there that. It was police interaction. No one was actually arrested, I should say. No, um just but detained what we kind of all took moment. away from it, <laughs> just detained for some questioning. Um but what I think we all took away from it is that none of us really have any desire to hang out in the downtown Atlanta area. Especially on a weekend, and especially while big sporting events and other things are going on, and there's um, rowdy um, folks around. So, um, all's well that ends, though. Um, Mike and I finally did get some food at about 10 p.m. at a Waffle House. And I had a very fun 5 a.m. flight back to work the next morning after not getting very much sleep. Um, and I'm sorry we really didn't get to spend that much time together after you drove all the way into Atlanta to see us.
1: Ah, no problem. That was fun. Um, yeah. Not really, but, yeah. but it was not really. I had a nice conversation with your friend, Karen. Um, yes. Got to learn yes. more about her and, and all that. Uh, she's a pediatrician. Yeah. It's interesting.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No, she's yeah. a very, very uh, interesting individual and does lots of cool things. Um, she has lots, she's my travel and running buddy. So we have lots of shared stories and experiences and this one will be right up there with um, some of the more interesting ones mm-hmm. right in our own backyard.
1: But and you know, I, have I know to that was very out, vague,
2: and everyone's going, "What actually happened here?" But I'm just going to say, just ask Mike you know, Carroll's, Ask Mike Carols if <laughs> He'll you see tell him; you he will probably be everything. happy to tell you the story.
1: Yeah, yeah. So. I, I I would need to point out something though that I, one of my suggestions for us to eat was at a Waffle House right there in downtown on a block over. Uh, but I don't think anybody heard me, so you could have had your I Waffle House that. dinner long before. I did not hear that. Did. Yeah. Well,
2: you know, I, I think we also learned that, at, you know, and I was uh, just thinking back why we did not um, stop into a restaurant sooner. So there were a couple of, of factors here. Um, we ended up walking a very long way, longer than we anticipated, because a lot of restaurants had been closed, things that we thought we could go to, um, presumably um, casualties of the pandemic. Um, we did pass up some places that we probably should have just gone into in the first place. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. um, I was all for Hooters, they have good wings. Uh, Karen suggested Wahlburgers. We could have gone in there. I'm um, oh, not sure if that was, was open
4: though. A dreadful, I'm microwave.
2: Nick, I'm kidding. But oh, okay, it was there and it was open and it did not look busy. So that had it going for it. Yeah,
1: oh, fair um, mm-hmm. There were a lot of what a uh, we should have, what a coulda kind of thing. Should have, would have, coulda on.
2: things, and I think it comes down to we just need to probably be more decisive and yeah. not wander around. Um, or maybe not. Or maybe not. I, honestly, there was probably nothing that would have prevented that scenario. To, See, that was to be kind of fair. a joke.
1: That was being indecisive. <laughs> yes, um, anyway, so. um, you know, it's really not a lot of fun with this latency because my quick uh, quip kind of humor doesn't work at all.
2: Doesn't work as well. No. Yeah, I'm sorry. That's
1: no, okay. Because by it's the sorry, time you,
2: by the time I've said something, and then by the time you say something, I've forgotten what the...
1: What the reference is to. The I joke know.
2: the reference was. I'm sorry. That's okay. I I'm... should do better of that. I really should not have that issue. Um, do you want to continue with the show? Is it bothering you that much?
1: What? The uh, latency? Just a quick timeout. Yeah. Or your lack of not understanding my humor or what?
2: No, I mean, all kidding. of the above. <laughs> all the above. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I could just, just tell that you're like frustrated a little no, bit by the- really? The computer not working. Yeah, I'm not frustrated at
1: all. And then what's going on with that, Nick? Yeah. He's he's got flashing stuff going. He's on. He's
2: flashing us. He's a I just
4: tried leaving and rejoining to see if it makes a difference, but this,
1: you know, I've just got a nope. white flash. It looks like somebody's me. in there just taking photographs with a flash, taking unit.
2: pictures.
4: Just like yeah. yeah, I know. Don't ask me. I don't know with the camera or the feed. But the
1: paparazzi uh, are uh, in your in your studio. Yeah, taking pictures of you. They certainly yeah. <sighs> okay. Um mm-hmm. Hmm. yeah i guess that's that's all we're gonna say right about that
2: yeah i think so we'll just leave a little bit of mystery and intrigue but um i think our advice would be um
1: be careful where you're walking maybe be be careful where you're walking
2: and on city streets and don't
1: accidentally bump a phone out of somebody somebody's hand just try not to do that and everything will be cool um, yeah, everything's good. And uh, I should also uh, re- remind everyone that um, Mike Carrolls does his own podcast called Flying in Life. And I have a feeling that next time he records, he may actually uh, tell us about in a little bit more detail about uh, this particular incident. Maybe not. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll see. Yes. Maybe not. Uh, it's, I, I mean, it's not flying, but it's it's part of his life. And it is life. The show is Flying it's in Life. life so. We'll see. I we
3: didn't get sentenced to life, at
1: least. Uh, yeah. So uh, let's uh, continue with... Uh, oh! I have to... I'm so happy. Thank you, Stefan, for the win. He sent... Resent the, um, the gin uh, from Hamburg. And this time, it was a different um, bottling, but it's the same company that makes the gin that he gave both Nick and I uh, before. And... Um, Let's see. Oh, that's what was happening. Nick's camera was overheating. That's why that's why he's gone.
2: This show is hot. There have definitely not been any technical difficulties on the show today.
1: Liz all. is saying, this show is hot. Show is <laughs> well, hot. at least his cameras. You know, I'm wondering if that's been the problem all along. Because it's usually Nick that's having the issues with flashing video. Anyway, sometimes I do too. Maybe. Um, I don't know. Like, Anywho. Buy a new camera. Um, I meant to show a picture of the fine gin that Stefan sent me, along with two little mini cans of um, tonic. um, That's very tasty as well. It will be maybe I don't know. Liz is asking if it's going to be in the show notes, and you know, I wouldn't count on it. <laughs> but I'll try to remember to put it in there. Okay. Um anyway, it was it's really good. And one of the uh botanicals and, and um herbals that uh, you know, because gin has usually all kinds of, you know, juniper berries and uh all that kind of stuff. This had cucumber and uh in in addition to the juniper berries, um, and apple. I thought oh, that's interesting. I've never yeah. seen apple in gin. And very it's refreshing. really, really tasty. It's very, very good. Thank you so much, Stefan for uh, taking the time and expense to um, send that back out to me, and I've already enjoyed uh, some of it, and uh, but a majority of it still remains in the bottle. So I just wanted to thank you very much for that. Oh, you also sent, oh, shoot, I did remember. He's in
3: the chat room.
1: Oh, he's here in the chat room. Hey, Stephen. Um Let me see. I think I did remember, hang on. I got a picture that he sent me. Next time I need to do more show prep.
2: Nah, don't start now.
1: Uh, Where is it? I'm digging through my backpack. Trying to find it. This is great radio. Good thing it's not radio.
2: You'll edit this out in
1: post. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. You You can count on it. I'll definitely edit this out in post. I'm taking everything. Ah, found it. This. Uh, Let's see if I can get the reflection. It's a glossy uh, photo of a beautiful looking Cessna uh, with an N number. And it says, hi, Jeff, as requested another gin bottle from Hamburg, same brand, different product. Enjoy. I was looking for some aviation related postcards but I found this pic from my dad's old airplane. You're very lucky to be still able to keep flying for work. Yes, I am. And uh, he says, enjoy it. Greetings, Stefan. So there's the his dad's Cessna. What did I say it was? Well, he didn't say. It looks like a 172, doesn't it?
2: Mm,
1: 182.
2: 182. 182. Okay. I can't quite tell. Oh, yeah. So is it a
1: 3 is
2: it? Uh huh. Yeah.
1: T G Anyway, so thank you. It's and
2: Jeff
3: Stefan has some important advice for you here about the. Oh,
1: Stefan has some good advice. It's good to drink prior to flight. Hands are less shaky then. Okay, thanks. That's good advice. And then in just a few weeks, I'll be podcasting from the prison. It's fine. Yeah. With Mike. With with Mike, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think yeah.
4: there's already guys- a podcast from a prison. You, oh, you won't be the first.
1: Okay, I'm hearing yeah. I'm hearing sounds from somewhere. I I don't see who is where that's coming from. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm
4: just giving the camera a rest so it'll cool down.
1: <laughs> okay, well I'm, it's good to know you're still there and contributing to the show. and yeah. it is an audio podcast, really. So all right, so uh, that's that's it. Sorry that took so long, but. Um, it's been interesting, and what a week. Uh, yeah, what a week! So I, I flew that that four day, three or four day trip last week, and then the trip um, over the weekend, and then the trip that I'm on now, and I'm on day uh, two of a four day trip. Uh, I'm in Augusta, Georgia. Tomorrow I'll be in Myrtle Beach, and then uh, Friday I'll be home uh, midday. So there you go. You're all caught up. Excellent. Oh, and the other thing I wanted to mention is that I think I mentioned it on the last show that I was, and we were talking about um, the private Patreon feed, patron only for feed. And then I was going to try to start doing some um, video uh, crew logs and I, I did two of them and they were both over the weekend. Uh, the first one was when I was in Louisville and I was showing off the uh, the hot tub in my room, jacuzzi bath, kind of weird, <laughs> but um, it was fun. And, uh, the, um, incident on, uh, in Jackson on, uh, on Saturday. So, uh, so I've already put out two video crew logs and it looks like uh, Patreon does not automatically include the audio and put that into the, uh, audio feed. So, you know, you have to be a patron on Patreon to actually view those. So, um, you know, make the, make the jump if you, if you want uh, to see some of that stuff. All right. That is it for getting to know us. And uh, I guess now it would be appropriate for me to play this sound clip, if I can get to it.
0: Johnny,
4: how much more coffee? No, thanks. I love coffee.
1: I love tea. I love the APG community. Coffee and tea, and the Java and me. A cup, a cup, a cup, a cup, a cup. Oh yeah, that's Jeff Smith. He's the jingle master, king of jingles for the best podcasts in the world, including ours. I don't know how we got in that list, but there we're there um so uh, the coffee fund uh, the reason that uh, the java jive is being sung and played and it's your way to support the show financially and a couple different ways to do that first is the coffee fund classic and since the last episode we've had let's see one two three four people uh use that to support us and uh we have rick bell coming in in first place with a very generous donation thank you rick um, that's General Bell, I believe. Uh, Richard Adams, and uh, thank you, Carl Lake, thank you. Uh, all um, just one-off payments uh, into the Coffee Fund Classic, or not payments, but donations, contributions, and recurring uh, contribution from Vigner in uh, Finland, we think. And so that's one way to do it. The other is to become a patron of the show via patreon.com. And since the last show we have two new patrons. They are Robert Herider or Herider and Ken Weinstock. So thank you. To the both of you for becoming patrons, thanks for everyone using the Coffee Fund Classic method, and thank you for being contributors to our show. We do appreciate it. And if you want more information about how you can join this great group of folks, head over to com slash coffee. You'll be glad you did.
3: Captain, incoming message.
1: You know how you just um, like you move your your wireless mouse and it, the cursor like doesn't move and then it jumps and then it, you move the mouse again and then it jumps and you can't really figure out where to put the cursor for it to land in the right spot. So you yeah, to uh, you, you usually no. need a, a new computer when it starts that. Yeah, I know. Well, the problem is I, that's, I do have a new <laughs> or computer. mouse. I thought apparently I'm just all the different things that are running here. I thought that this computer would like no problem handle it but i don't know no or maybe it's just handling. a bluetooth issue i don't know what the uh, what what's going down here but it's just not uh working very well and uh that's why it's just it's very sporadic so i apologize for it sounds like i'm just being super spacey which might also be part of it as well okay um and i really am interested in how this is going to work uh, first feedback is from Jeffrey, and he uh, the title of his feedback is Toe via Hot Air Balloon. He sent us in a YouTube link, and uh, he says, I hope you're well. This is the scariest glider launch I've ever seen. There are obviously no outs if you have a low-altitude rope break. I fly gliders and belong to a very safety-conscious gliding club. I'll be sending this video to my fellow club members. I assume they'll be cringing as much as I did while watching this craziness. Here we go.
0: Probably
1: don't need to have the uh, music on that loud. There's a glider. Oh, wait, they're moving a balloon with a gondola. Below it. It's a
4: balloon in mid-air, hanging onto that balloon.
2: I think that's the recommended way to launch a balloon as well. <laughs> what, to yeah. hang onto the bottom uh-huh. of it?
4: Mm-hmm.
1: So, oh, yeah. my God. There goes the airplane <laughs> being hoisted by the hot air balloon. Hoisted Into- is
2: a good word. It's definitely, yeah.
4: Spinning, spinning now. It's uh-huh. they, they haven't got the connection on the center of gravity, so the thing's yeah. looking like a bronco. Ah. Okay, the
1: it's released.
2: I think it was like being held it's on by slubiting. like a, a belt of some sort. Like. <laughs> I don't
1: think it was a belt. <laughs> uh wow. It's doing some aerobatics, some loops and such. Uh, actually, that's that's pretty cool. Actually, nice. And now, I'm
4: just wondering, yeah, you remove that amount of ballast from a balloon, doesn't it? Rocket upwards into the stratosphere, <laughs> probably. Because I mean that 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 glider cannot have been a lightweight. I and mean, when you suddenly remove it when it released, the balloon would have just gone up like a, I don't know, like a balloon, <laughs> like a right <rock. laughs> like mm-hmm. a balloon. You know, when you blow one up, and let go. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
5: <laughs>
1: oh, I love that sound effect. That's nice. <laughs> Good one. save that one. Yeah. Anyway, Jeffrey. Um, yeah, I hope that your fellow club members enjoy that. I'm sure they're going to go. Hey, let's uh, let's don't do that. Let's stick. Let's to Let's never do that. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, For many crazy. many reasons. And this, by the way, was uh, took place in Russia. Those crazy Russians, according to the YouTube yeah. video title, anyway. So yes. if you want to watch that, you probably should uh, check out the uh, link in the show notes. Uh, going to item four, uh, Andy. Uh, hello, APG crew. I recently went through my first biennial flight review, and I thought it was more challenging than my initial check ride for my private pilot certificate. I was wondering, have any of you experienced any aviation learning challenges outside of a check ride or FAA test, which you thought was more difficult as well? Thank you for all you do. Your insights and commentary have definitely made me a safer pilot. Regards, Andy. Andy. Orzula. I think I would have pronounced that correctly without his uh, phonetic spelling of his name, but thank you for doing that anyway, because Andy knows me, and sometimes I get these things (laughs) wrong.
2: Orzula.
1: Orzula. 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 He doesn't tell us what the...
2: What the emphasis is. Yeah,
1: the emphasis is, yes. Okay, well, thank you, Andy. So, okay, his question, um, have we... Uh, experience any aviation learning challenges outside of a checkride or FAA test? Yes. Um, I just went through training on the Boeing 717. And it it kind of kicked my butt. I thought that uh, it would be a, like a really easy thing to learn. But I don't know if it's because it's not or it's just because I'm an old dog trying to new learn chooks or something like that. I don't know. But it was much tricks. more difficult. Huh? Perfect. Yeah perfect an we old dog it. to uh, trying to learn a new dog <laughs> so <laughs> how about you Steph? Uh-huh. anything like uh, Ben?
2: um you know the the challenges are never at least for me the by the time you get to the check ride or take the the examination portion of the test you're you're hopefully pretty well prepared at that point certainly there's Nerves and performance anxiety and things like that that can go into to that aspect of it. Um, but the challenges are always anytime you take up something new or different, right? The first time you you get in a different aircraft, you get in a different air, You know, um, if you've only done single engine stuff, the first time you fly a multi engine aircraft, even with if, if you're with an instructor, the first time you do um, seaplane flying or glider flying. So it's always the the new things that are the the challenge. Um, and uh, but we do it because we enjoy the challenge. Um, I think. Um, you know, I think he's specifically talking about something that was, uh, you know, he probably felt well prepared for the flight review and then found it to be more difficult than he was anticipating. Um, I think we've probably all had check rides or tests that are more challenging than you anticipate. Um, I'm trying to think of a specific instance, but I'm sure there's actually plenty of them. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I think that's something that, um, you have to be kind of on the on the lookout for a little bit if you're going to be doing something new or different. Just be aware that it might be something that is more outside of your comfort zone than you anticipate.
1: Are you frozen um, or did you just did stop I talking?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I stopped talking. <laughs> I couldn't tell if Jeff was frozen or not.
4: Who's one of us pregnant? That was a really long pause. That
1: was gone. I think everything just froze. No, I
2: stopped talking. I was talking. Okay. That was the answer. I don't well, have now. a specific instance. I'm, I'm trying to think if there's a specific instance out there. Um, you know, I think the first time, I, I will say this, I think the first time I was in actual instrument conditions, it surprised me how difficult it was because I've done a fair amount of um, simulated instrument time kind of under the foggles or the hood. Um but it's definitely different when you're you're in some soup and water, and it's the first time you experience that. It was more of a sensory challenge than I anticipated it would be.
1: So, I-Hall boxes uh, makes a comment in our live chat, uh, I thought the old things were a challenge when I went from 737-800 to 400. And I don't know if he's talking about the old captains, or uh, I guess maybe probably the... Older technology, as far as the flight displays, and you know the going from the combined advanced displays to maybe the um, the old six pack um, arrangement of instruments. I think that's probably what he means there. I'm guessing. Is that right? I hall boxes. We'll wait for I his response. Think so.
2: Just the okay. there you go from newer technology backwards towards
1: right older that technology. Is- Probably a little bit more difficult than moving forward in in uh, more modern technology. Which, um... I would have said, um,
4: you know, w- when I started uh, learning to fly, uh, I my one of my first jobs was uh, in a flying school. I think learning to clean the toilets that was uh, quite a challenge. Um, I think. Later on, uh, I don't know. Some things sort of, kind of creep up on you. Uh, you know, you're not expecting them. Uh, I think um, finding out uh, where they keep the coffees and the chocolate bars on, uh, in, in which. Um, of the uh, catering trolleys, the, the cabin crew keep the chocolate bars. That's quite a challenge. That really was.
2: <laughs> a lot <fun>. of flying-related <laughs> challenges, Then It's quite
1: well, a yeah, job the cleaning the toilet and uh, figuring out where all the catering items are, Nick. Uh, that was interesting. Thank you yeah, for sharing
4: yeah. that with us. Okay, no, that's no problem. Well, it's an aviation learning challenge, isn't it? Uh, they were in an airplane. Yeah. Yeah, exactly right.
1: I, I think my
4: insight is valuable. <laughs> yeah, it
1: is. Um, it is. We always learn but so to much.
4: to be absolutely truthful, most of our learning is done well outside check rides and FAA tests. You know, mm-hmm. an awful lot of your learning is done just with uh, your fellow pilots. Uh, and, um, you know, uh, it, it, the, the, the tests and the checks should, in theory, if you've been well-trained, be actually, you know, I don't say run of the mill. They're never that, but um, you should all have been overtrained for them. And if you find them real challenge, then I would have a word with your uh, flying instructor and say I don't think you're challenging me enough prior to these tests. Because if I'm finding the tests really hard, then we should be working even harder in my preparation flights in my training. And you should be being harder on me so that when I face one of these tests, uh, actually it's easier than one of our learning sessions. uh, I'm actually
2: a little glad to hear that a biannual flight review was a little more on the challenging side. Um, You know, my impression of those is that you should, uh, you know, not only review of things that you are expected to know, but um, identify if there's something out there that you didn't know. and teach that to you whether it's something that you should have known before or not you know there's always new things to be learning we can always be learning so if you walked away and you learned new skills from the flight review i think that's a, a positive thing even if you felt like it was a challenge in that moment
1: yeah good observations and uh, advice for andy and anyone else who might be listening thank you guys all right Well, let's continue on with uh, CJ. Um, He said, back on the line. Captain Jeff, Captain Nick, Captain Rick, Dr. Steph, Producer Liz, just thought I'd slide in an update. The last you heard from me was in July of last year when I'd flown the next to last flight of the MD-90 at Acme. I went unassigned the following month and was looking at furlough in October 2020. Luckily, ACME pilots signed a couple of letters of agreement with ACME and a few big bailouts rolled in, keeping me on payroll if severely underemployed. I saw a bit of light at the end of the tunnel in December when I was awarded the A-220 in New York City, but as it turned out, I neither trained on the aircraft nor reported for duty at that location. I was later awarded the A-320 in the February bid and finally reported for training in uh, late April. At first, I was based in Detroit, but before training completion, I was awarded Salt Lake City. A long way to say that I'm now back on the line flying the A319, 320, 321 out of Salt Lake, uh, all at separate times, not all at the same time. Um, So if you have any questions about the bus that exceeds Captain Nick's expertise, or Captain Al can't put aside his chicken nuggets long enough to provide another of his supremely professional feedbacks, (laughs) I Yeah, it's going to be a tough one there. I just might be able to provide you an answer that barely claws its way above the 50% accuracy mark. Oh, <laughs> well, we appreciate that. Uh, thank you again for all of you and the APG community for keeping me mostly sane, mostly sane during my 340 days out of the flight deck. Not that I was counting or anything. <laughs> Talons, Douglas. <laughs> Regards. Former C one thirty CJ, then CRJ and the Mad Dog CJ, and now Sully's Arc CJ. <laughs> All right. Great. Great to hear that you're back, uh, gainfully employed and actually, you know, doing something for that money that uh, the rest of us uh kicked in, had to give up a couple of beers. Um, just kidding. Um, glad that you're back, CJ, and the, that we took care of you and um and um, look forward to hearing about how what you think of that fancy pants uh, airplane that you are now flying out of Salt Lake City.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Anyway. Well,
4: an airplane's an airplane. I'm sure he's just happy to be back in the air. Yeah.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
4: All righty. By the uh, way, I was uh, the, those pictures that uh, um, Liz was just putting up, of course, were from... Uh, the CJ interview I did with him while he was still serving, mm-hmm. uh, flying the special forces C one thirty is uh, a, a great talk. Uh, pretty sure it's uh, one of my early plane tales. So it was. Yeah, it was lovely to meet CJ. Yeah, and uh, fine chap.
1: Very nice to hear he's getting on well now. I um, hopefully I'll uh, have I'll have Liz um, send me, or maybe you can, uh, Nick, and we can. We can put those in that particular piece of feedback, that note there, and then I'll just make a link to uh, CJ's feedback note, and then people can take a look at those photos of him back when he was uh, flying in the U.S. Air Force. Okay, uh, number seven, uh, this is feedback from Larry, Uh, Larry the uh, geezer, I believe, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, I'm guessing and uh he uh said that oh he had a new logo suggestion for acme and i think what was the name of the show uh not show uh name of this airline um kalula or something like that um that's in right Africa? Yeah,
4: they, they did a bunch of very amusing uh schemes paint schemes didn't they <laughs> one was like a, a blueprint yes uh, of all the, where, the
2: schematics of the airplane yeah. and like yeah, but like some like silly stuff put in there like yeah,
4: it was like a schematic of the whole fuselage all the mm-hmm. way along. It was very well thought out, I thought.
2: So anyway, if you're listening to the audio podcast, to this uh, particular uh, paint, uh, this livery on this, what was it? Kalou- I think it's Kalula,
1: um, if I remember. I can't re- it, quite it, read it on the tail of this picture.
2: So say you, you want to ship something and you've put um, you know, some uh, objects in a box that need to remain in a certain orientation. So on the side of the box, you would say this way up and a couple arrows pointing up. Well, they've done that on the, the side of the fuselage. So there's no um, confusion as to which side of the aircraft should be pointing towards the
1: sky. Very good. Or you know, what? towards the sky. What just dawned on me is any one of the rest of you could do what I was trying to do. You can share your screen and show that sure. photo.
2: Hold on. I got it. In
1: fact, I should get Liz to do that.
2: Oh, f- leave me alone!
1: Uh, <laughs> she said, "Oh, leave me alone."
2: <laughs> hold on. How do I, can I make it bigger? That's yeah, like double said. click on the that's picture see
1: said. if that does anything. Uh. Hold on. No. Ah. Like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. little thing on that's hold above on. the picture. Uh, oh, no. Yeah, I know. Hold on. Hurt. I got
2: it. Um, <laughs> I got it. I can. Do, I can fix. It. Okay. I just. I'm not used to doing this. There we go.
1: Yay. Oh, perfect. Look at that. Yes. Okay. Now I expect that from this point forward so I don't have to mess with it.
2: <laughs> okay. Has everyone seen enough of this? Paint yeah.
1: Job? This way up That's looks good. cool. I'll have it in the show notes. Thank you, Steph. Perfect. I owe you. You're welcome. Okay um so thank you larry for sending that we, we have talked about we we talked about this airline and their different paint schemes but the one that was really cute was the one that one of you were just talking about the fact that it's like has arrows pointing to this is where the captain sits and this is where the first officer sits and all kinds of funny things on the on the yeah. airplane like a blueprint kind of thing anyway excuse me all right um greg our big ass fan uh, he says making waves as usual. Oh look, 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 look. Oh look at that. Nick is Yay. wearing one of the shirts. Yes. Um what product some of the placement product placement. Some of the product placement. Liz is yelling. <laughs> yeah, you owe us now. <laughs> How much that is the royalty. advertising <laughs> rate? Liz? Yeah. Uh, How, yeah. She said, send in uh, the appropriate amount of money uh, in cash. uh, A hundred bucks should cover it. Bitcoin. 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 She's always asking for Bitcoin. (laughs) Bitcoin. Yeah. Um, Anyway, he says, hey, crew, I hope everyone is doing well. It's been a while since I submitted any feedback because you guys have done such a great job discussing the stories that I haven't had any follow up questions or comments. Listening to 477 the other day, it was good to hear that Big Ass Fans is making waves, as usual, on behalf of the company. I apologize to John for causing his slip of the tongue in front of his students. I noticed recently in the Random channel on Slack that someone has posted had posted a picture of one of our ISIS fans. I know, poor name for a fan, but it was named before the terrorist group came to prominence. And we actually had one of our former engineers suggest suing them for copyright infringement, but the company thought better of it. Yeah, good. Uh, at the so anyway, this uh, one of these ISIS fans um, was uh, pictured at the Washington Zoo, where they had taped a picture of a panda over the word "ass." We continue. To be very active in the aviation world with fans showing up in hangars and airports worldwide. See photos attached. Can you help me out again, Steph? Um, Yep, keep talking. uh, Okay. Our good story of the big-ass name being rejected relates to the Bluegrass Airport, K-Lexington, L-E-X, in our headquarters city of Lexington, Kentucky, Bluegrass Airport has ads throughout the airport of many of the local companies. When big-ass fans wanted to place an ad in the airport, the airport board rejected the ad because of the name. So, what did big-ass fans do? We gave them a 20-foot fan to install right over the security checkpoint with a small plaque that was placed on the wall to the side. Recently, the airport replaced that fan with one of our newer models that includes our clean air system, an ionizer system that had been appro- that had proven to reduce COVID-19 viruses in the air. Here is a picture of the new fan, and that was the big – did you get that one already, Steph? The large fan over the security I don't know. area? <laughs> you don't know? Uh, I don't it, know. Is there a way for you to just think, like to click through those? Um, I think I,
2: that was the first one I showed. It was okay. the first one I showed. Yeah. You reckon? No. To make it, light, this is, I don't know. This is the way it works the best.
1: I'll show you, you a me. trick on how to do There's probably do a better that. way. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, anyway, uh, we'll include those pictures in the show notes and you can look at these really. And the reason why they're called big ass fans is because they are big ass. They're big, big, big fans. I don't know. Like uh, the span on some of these things is like there. It is. That's the one that's uh, over the. Yeah,
2: uh, I showed that one first.
1: Security checkpoint area uh, at the uh, Lexington uh, Bluegrass Airport, KLEX, and uh, yeah, lots of good stuff uh, that this company makes. And uh, thank you, great. Well, my
2: favorite is the uh, the Flickr album that they have for the hate mail that they receive regards oh, I didn't uh, see with that. regards to their oh, company you know, name. I never oh, did actually. It's go funny. I read okay. through, I, I looked through all of those. <laughs> They're quite amusing. And I would highly recommend taking a
1: well uh, uh, brief perusal through that. You know, Nick and I, uh, a couple of years ago, almost exactly, um, were uh, making our way through Lexington and we got the uh, grand tour of the Big Ass Fan Company by our good friend, we sent our friend it in. Greg. And uh, we uh, we really enjoyed the the play of the uh, the name of the company on uh, various signs throughout the uh, premises, and uh, that was a lot of fun. They do have fun with that.
3: Nick must be overheating again.
1: Pardon me.
2: Nick disappeared again.
1: I guess Nick was offended by that. Sorry, Nick. <laughs> um. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, this is, this I is... would just
4: like to point out, while we were there... <laughs> yeah. But where that's a I huge gone? delay we're having oh, there here. I, <laughs> yeah. I, was, uh, I was given one of these while we both were. Yeah. A uh, that's a challenge coin. Challenge coin? Mm-hmm. That's a big-ass challenge coin. It is. <laughs> <laughs> it is. And on the back was... Oh, uh, come on. Focus, focus. Oh, yeah. Look, look at that. that. There you go,
1: big ass, fans. big ass fans. Really nice. Yeah.
4: So that was good. That was really good. That was very nice, chap. Oh, look at me! I've got all blurry. <laughs> uh, that was a very nice chap, ex-military, who uh, um, had some of those and came mm-hmm. across and found us uh, specifically yeah, yeah, that's right. because he wanted to give us a
1: challenge coin. So it's great. Yeah, a lot of great employees Appreciate working that. there. They really, they really have fun yeah. with the company and also the the name of the company. They really, they really play around well with that. Okay, and we have fun with it here, too, on the show, and then we make people like John Picard um, accidentally say that name in front of his class, and that gets us in trouble. So <laughs> yeah. sorry. Mm-hmm. But it's Greg's fault.
5: Oops.
1: Anyway. Oh, Greg's fault. It's always yes. Greg's fault. It's not our fault. We don't do anything wrong here. Um, no, never,
2: never, never. We're
1: no, everything goes smoothly. Perfect in Absolutely. every way. Here is the driven snow. That's right. <laughs> Okay, Liz is suggesting that we go ahead and go to the plain tale because she said, "Jeff, I think you need a break." So, mm. with that, <laughs> is, uh, yeah,
2: how long is the plain tale? Just real, sorry, this is a seventeen time. and a seventeen
1: bit. minutes, okay, so minutes we'll, and twenty five seconds.
2: Did you all do after the plain tale?
1: Okay, okay. here we go. Okay. This week's plain tale by the old pilot is entitled "Check In Confessions Part One." Enjoy. <laughs> Well, welcome back. This is episode four seventy nine, take two. <laughs> uh, if you were listening slash watching the uh, the first attempt at uh, episode four seventy nine yesterday, you'll uh, know that uh, it was uh, just an unmitigated train wreck, total disaster. Profound oh, apologies. it wasn't that good, Jeff. <laughs> no, yeah, you're right. It wasn't quite that good, um, and I, I attempted to uh, play your wonderful plain tale, Nick, and apparently yeah. everybody was screaming at me online everywhere. I was getting it from everywhere that you know the and I the problem with my connection was that I couldn't even respond to any of it to let you know. I know, I know. I'm trying to stop. I can't do anything. I lost complete control. And controls. what did you do with your keyboard? So I, um, I wonder if I can play. You want me to try to play that? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Okay. That's. I thought it was kind of amusing. Uh, some people actually thought uh, it was serious and were concerned about me. And I said, "Well, I was kind of half doing well, it." Well, we're always just, concerned you were about you. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you're always, you're always concerned about me, and I do appreciate that. So let me see where I'm. Where am I going to put this thing? I'm going to take this and drag it over to something that will play a sound. Uh, how about right here? And then, okay, are you ready? Here we go. <laughs> if my keyboard if if this would work, I could type something, but I can't it doesn't work. Oh. <laughs> I fell out of my chair. <laughs> That's the keyboard that I'm hitting I'm hitting against my bed. <laughs> one of the beds in my room. But I actually did. When I turned around in my desk chair, I actually fell out of my chair.
3: (laughs) What else could go
4: wrong? Yeah, what else could go wrong? The end so. of a very frustrating few hours.
1: Yeah, it was, a, it was a frustrating couple of hours, that's for sure. And uh, I'm sure it was kind of frustrating for the people watching it. Well, you know what? They probably were amused by it, but we, we weren't. <laughs> well, The strange people we have watching this show, they probably were, indeed. I know. I know. So what we're going to do is, uh, that was approximately the two-hour point, and we're thinking that uh, we'll go ahead and replay or just start over the plane tail, so you can actually hear it. And uh, let's make sure that our uh, the control room is ready with the um, ready. with the images. Okay. Ready. We're getting a ready, good, we gotten a green light from the control room. So with that, let me push this button and hope for the best. And so here we go. This week's episode or installment of the Old Pilot's Plane Tales, Check-In Confessions, Part 1.
4: The Old Pilot's Plane Tales Check-In Confessions Part 1 The Good Over their careers, airline pilots and doctors come to that will have stayed in a myriad of lodgings during their overnight stays and the vast majority will have merged into a conglomeration of memories but every now and then one or two will stand out from the rest In this little tale, the crew have kindly shared some of their experiences, starting with the good. The bad and the ugly will follow on next week, so be sure to tune in. I took it upon myself to dive in, so to speak, despite the odd awful dive over the years Hong Kong did give us several upmarket layover spots. One was the five-star Langham Place Hotel, the address of which was 555 Shanghai Street. Now named The Cordis, Hong Kong, this delightfully posh hotel had four or five stylish restaurants and bars to choose from that ran from an fresco terrace with twinkling lights, iPad menus and big sofas, to the place with its high ceilings, waterfalls and tropical plants. The rooms were spacious and beautifully appointed, with heated mirrors that didn't mist up, a bath that massaged your back through water jets and a vast bed that was so soft and covered with fine Egyptian cotton of such quality that it felt like I was sleeping in a cloud. When we checked in we had a private area not far from the drop-off point where we were treated to cool face towels and glasses of champagne or fruit juices. I sometimes wondered if that was to keep us away from their normal quality guests – as we were usually a bit crumpled and smelt of armpits after a 20-hour day. The hotel was joined to a huge upmarket shopping mall, where it was easy to waste time if the weather was hot or during the rainy season, when being outside could feel unbearable. This mall was one of the first vertical malls in Hong Kong, where space is at a premium, and it rises over 15 floors. It has a nine-storey glass atrium which lets in natural light and huge express escalators that rise up four floors each, allowing visitors to travel to the 12th floor, 250 feet up in no time at all. The mall spirals around the upper express escalators, and on the ceiling computerised images are projected which are programmed to coordinate with the mall lighting. Back in 1988, when it was built, it was part of an urban development programme that cost 10 billion Hong Kong dollars. But sadly, it destroyed some old favourite areas of Kowloon, such as Hong Lok Street, otherwise known as Bird Street, where devotees of their songbirds would meet and show off their beautiful singing pets. A new Bird Street was created in an area further east known as the Po Street Bird Garden. Scattered around the hotel's many vaulted public areas, covered in cool marble, were amazing works of art, mainly Chinese, and sometimes it felt like being in a fabulous museum. Indeed, the hotel's collection had more than 1,500 pieces of contemporary Chinese art, including pieces by celebrated artists. Right on the top of the Mong Kok Mass Transit Railway Station, a stunningly efficient underground rail system, it was easy to get around, but right next door to the hotel was the famous Nathan Road, full of shopping emporiums that would rival Oxford Street in London or New York's Fifth Avenue any day. The perfect experience was to head out to Kwong Wah Street for lunch, at the nearby Tim Ho Wan Dim Sum restaurant, nestled away in the back streets of Mong Kok. This tiny, 20-seat, nondescript establishment was easily found from the queues of people trying to get into what was the cheapest Michelin-starred restaurant in the world. Started by Chef Mac and Chef Leung, who both came from brilliant three-starred restaurants, their new venture was soon noticed, and they were quickly awarded their first Michelin star in this tiny dim-sum eatery. I gather that now there are Tim Ho Wan restaurants, which actually means add good luck, around the world, and at least two in New York on 4th and 9th Avenue. After a light lunch of barbecued pork buns, vermicelli rolls stuffed with shrimp and pan-fried water chestnut cake, we would shop around Nathan Road or in the Langham Mall and then head back for a few drinks in the Portal Bar, followed by an evening meal in the hotel's Ming Court, a beautiful three-starred Michelin Cantonese restaurant numbered amongst the best in Hong Kong and where airline crews get a discount. You try getting 20% off at any other Michelin-starred restaurant in the world and see how far you get. (music) Jeff has been trying to recall his favourite and least favourite layover hotels – The two that came most readily to his mind were not necessarily the most extravagant nor the most disgusting, but a couple of most unusual settings. Although he didn't refer to his hotel stays in the U.S. Air Force Military Airlift Command as layovers, he called them crew rests, he still feels that he must submit his first hotel as the most interesting and exotic. He was flying a C-141B starlifter mission in the Pacific in 1984 and he recalls that the plan was to leave Hickam Air Force Base in Honolulu for Royal Australian Air Force Base Richmond near Sydney, New South Wales, Australia. A planned stop for refuelling in Pango Pango, American Samoa was included. The details are a bit fuzzy in his mind now, but for some reason, after landing in Pango Pango, they didn't continue on their mission until the next day, and they needed lodgings for an overnight stay. He remembers being in awe when he saw the rather large American Samoan gentleman get out of a tiny taxi wearing only sandals and a brightly coloured traditional Polynesian sarong when they were picked up at the airport. They were driven out to the only hotel on the island which was operated by the government, the Rainmaker Hotel. It opened in 1965 and in its heyday in the 60s and 70s was referred to as the Pacific's Intercontinental Hotel. He could tell that when it was at its peak it must have been truly extravagant, especially in this setting on a tropical lagoon. He couldn't help wonder if Walt Disney and company had used this place as a model for the Polynesian Resort Hotel in Disney World. The main dining area and reception was opulent, large chandeliers hanging from high ceilings with an adjoining bar lounge that was equally stylish. The entire place was erected on stilts to protect it from damage by water and waves and stabilise it in the sandy soil. He doesn't recall the hotel room being any other than a standard hotel fare, but it was lovely and comfortable. He supposed the reason this hotel came to mind, when asked about his favourite layover hotel, was because of its unique architecture – and its ability to send his mind's eye back in time to a different era. Sadly, the Rainmaker Hotel was in its decline when he had the fortune to stay in her, and was demolished in 2015 after sitting deserted for over a decade. Rick also had an exotic location in mind. He told me that it was rare, particularly for a new hire first officer on the long-haul fleet, to end up on the opposite side of the world on a 10-day whirlwind east-to-west trek from Santiago to Easter Island and on to Tahiti. Initial operating experience trips were never flown to the coveted Tahitian paradise. These were almost exclusively trips to Sao Paulo, Buenos Aires, Montevideo, Miami and Los Angeles. But with the Director of Operations, who was also a line check airman and chief evaluator in need of some actual flying, his wife in need of some sun and my ties, and yours truly in need of some instruction, the stars aligned just perfectly, and he found himself in the right seat of a 767 over the calypso-blue waters of the South Pacific Ocean. From the onset of the trip, it was clear to him that his commanding officer's mind was squarely set on the company-paid vacation they were about to embark on, and upon reaching the top of descent point, an air of anticipation and glee filled the flight deck. As to why would become abundantly clear, just a short while later, the parking brake was set and the shutdown checklist completed, the purser asked over the interphone if she was cleared to open the main doors to disembark, to which the captain answered in the positive. This particular airport didn't, or at least at the time, do jet bridges, so when the main cabin doors swung open, the humidity characteristic of those latitudes and the sweet smell of the ocean breeze quickly filled the cabin as passengers happily stepped down the air stairs to the tarmac below. Neatly nestled on the northeast side of Tahiti's Punawaya district, right on the Vaitupa Bay, and with a direct line of sight to Far International Airport's runway 4, sat the intercontinental Tahiti resort. As the crew transfer pulled into the main entrance, tiki torches everywhere, a smell of tropical flowers and upbeat Polynesian tones filled the air. The grandiose yet rustic lobby looked like something out of a James Michener book, and the staff seemed genuinely happy to see us. Welcome drinks and Polynesian lays were handed to everyone, and upon making sure each member of the crew was squared away, The skipper made his way to his villa with his betrothed, or at least that's how it seemed, and he never saw him or his wife until the end of their three-day stay. Post-flight or instruction briefing be damned, but can you blame him? The rooms were meticulously decorated in Polynesian motif, and the signature restaurants, the... Air and the lagoon-side Lelotus, with their vast selection of French and Polynesian cuisines, made for quite the unique yet pricey outing. White sands, clear crystal waters, and a steady supply of tropical cocktails made it absolutely impossible for our young pilot to focus on his studies at all which, in all honesty, did worry him a bit, as he was, after all, flying with the guy in charge of the whole thing. The dreaded day to finally check out arrived, and unsurprisingly, every single member of the cabin and flight crew, sporting a golden-brown tan, seemed thoroughly disappointed to leave and fly back east to reality. As for my concerns of showing up unprepared for my return flight to San Diego via Easter Island, I quickly realised they were unfounded, as the skipper, while sporting a halfway crooked smile, asserted, you don't come to a place like this and expect anything besides a tan and a hangover. Well said, Rick. What a lovely experience. Steph said that as far as hotel experiences go, more so than the rest of the crew since she travels for work infrequently, she's generally the party responsible for picking where she spends her evenings away from home on vacation or for conferences. As such, she can recall far more good hotel experiences than horrible ones. The one that truly stands out, though, and that she would highly recommend to anyone listening, is the Old Weston House on the Leeward Island of Montserrat in the Caribbean. Music lovers may know that in the late 1970s and early 1980s, Beatles producer Sir George Martin opened Air Montserrat, a sister studio to the Air Studios in central London and hosted some of the biggest names in rock and pop to record their albums there. Brothers in Arms by Dire Straits, Synchronicity by The Police and Too Low for Zero by Elton John are just some of the classics recorded during the decade of the studio's existence. Olveston House was owned by George Martin, and it also served as a temporary home for many of the visiting musicians who came to record at Air Studios. Sadly, the studio was irreparably damaged during Hurricane Hugo in 1989, but George Martin continued to visit the island regularly, staying at the Old Weston House during the holidays and at other times of the year. Tourism to the island then declined significantly after the Soufrière Hills Volcano erupted between 1995 and 2000, destroying the capital city of Plymouth. Old Western House was thankfully outside of the zone of destruction from the volcano and today is operated as a guest house. I booked it for a family vacation in 2015 and we were not disappointed. The house is filled with Beatles and Air Studios memorabilia, including original black-and-white photographs by Linda McCartney in the hallways and gold records in each of the rooms. The property is green and lush, with a constant breeze from the sea, as you'd expect in the Caribbean. The on-site restaurant and bar is one of the best eating establishments on the island. Hopefully one day... I'll have the chance to go back and visit. Alveston House is truly an unhurried respite from the rest of the world and charming in every possible way. I love that we have finished this APG travel log on such great note, but gird your loins, dear listener, for the other side of the coin. In next week's tale.
1: Oh, interesting that all of our favorite uh, selections had something to do with uh, water, tropical settings.
4: Well, they were certainly only warm places. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, Hong Kong, of course, is surrounded by water, but it's not exactly one to describe as a tropical paradise. Yeah, no. Anyway, uh, you you three were all very similar in your choices. I thought.
1: Yeah, we didn't really we didn't discuss that at all. I don't think I had any idea what anybody else was going to choose. So. No, no, it's good. It's good. Actually, I'm really looking forward to uh,
4: the other side of the coin uh, next week. And I'm trying to remember what I've chosen. I don't remember what I
1: put down. Uh, Uh, I do now. Yeah, I I, I can. Yeah, it's it's an odd. It was an odd place. Uh, Yeah. Anyway, well. That's great! Uh, nice job putting that all together, sir. And I uh, hope you. everybody enjoyed it. I know I did. Uh, seeing everybody else's, I, selection. I enjoyed it the fourth time round. It was very <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> now, shh! Not everybody that's listening <laughs> to the audio podcast knows that oh, we had to play that, yes, and that the first—I don't know—twenty-five percent <laughs> of it everybody has memorized. That's here uh, watching the live. <laughs> five, five five
4: five Shanghai Street. Yep. Yeah. Five five five
1: Shanghai <laughs> Street. Yes, we know. The address of your uh, of your favorite place, Nick.
4: Yeah, it's very true. <sighs> anyway, well, great. It's hard sometimes, though, isn't it? Picking one spot because oh, there is. are so many good memories. Uh, mm-hmm. There you go. I, right.
1: I agree. I agree. And you know, to be honest, um, the company for which I fly uh, really puts us up in pretty nice places. Uh, it's really hard to come up with a a bad experience, a bad place. And uh, usually, it's out of the control of the company. So, anyway, yeah, yeah. Um, let's do this. Uh, why don't we try to knock out some feedback,
4: <laughs> Good idea. or some more feedback?
1: I think we already did a little bit. So, yep, uh, we did. Yep. Let me uh, move over here to our our notes. And which one would you say, uh, Liz? Number, uh, number eight. eight. Let's eight. start with number eight. Okay, here we go. Uh, this is from Logan. Hi, APG family. Microsoft Flight Simulator and X-Plane have been mentioned a couple of times in previous episodes, so I thought I'd share my experience. I started using Flight Simulator back with Microsoft Flight Simulator 2001. Back then, the graphics were pretty dang amazing for the time. Fast forward to 2010, Lockheed Martin released their own simulator called Prepare Prepared. It looks like it's Prepare 3D, but it's. Uh, I guess the 3 is kind of like being cool, uh, so it's pronounced prepared. It was geared towards training in an educational environment, particularly on the military side of things. I've actually been using version four of the simulator for about five years now. The add-ons available are amazing. You've got companies like PMDG that specialize in most of the Boeing family of products. FS Labs that have been have done an amazing job on the Airbus A320, A320. That's the same thing. I <laughs> must be a typo, uh, A320 A330. I don't know. What do you think? Because he, he has A320 slash A320.
4: Nick's muted.
1: Oh, you're muted, Nick.
4: Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I. It could be uh, that, or it could be just the A320 A321 family. So. Uh,
1: okay. Know. Maybe three twenty one. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm not quite sure. Uh, he said that that's his favorite purchase so far, and Aerosoft that have been. ...that have done amazing renditions of the CRJ. Fast forward again to August 2020, and you'll find the much-anticipated release of Microsoft Flight Simulator. Microsoft and ASOBO, Asobo? I don't know how to pronounce that. Had teased this for at least a year. I can tell you, the graphics and realism of this platform are absolutely stunning. With Bing map data... Asobo was able to make the simulator feel and look as real as possible. They've also been able to inject real-time traffic data from FlightAware into the sim. So what is flying in the real world? You'll see it in the sim. I could go on and on. Here are a few shots I've taken over the past year. And, oh shoot, sorry, Logan, I did not... Oh, maybe I can still do this here. So let me uh, see if I can click on this link and share this screen with everyone. Okay, so let me see here. This first one, is, oh, look at that. Wow. That is, I'm not sure, is that a uh, Bonanza? A bonanza or something? Yeah, it looks like it. Um, here we go. Oh, look at that. Uh, United Express RJ um i mean these look real really real i don't know what that is uh oh look at that I
4: don't that's know. A, oh wow look at that
1: uh some kind of a high wing bush airplane i don't know which which model it is um that's some kind of a piper i believe isn't it Probably people watching this are probably yelling at us. Yes, it's a blah yeah, blah, but- blah 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 blah. <laughs> I don't know. Sorry. Um, yeah, that looks like oh, look. some sort of. Uh, oh, that's what. Watch used to- below. <laughs> that used to be um, a Bombardier product, and now an A an Airbus product, and the A two twenty. Two twenty. Yeah.
3: Mm. Yeah,
1: and it's over an airfield. So I it is know some airfield. some airfield there. What airfield is that? that could be runways
3: looks sort of deserty doesn't it
1: yeah yeah yeah, it does and there's some mountains over here in the uh upper left-hand corner i don't know i don't recognize it actually but uh anywho yeah cool stuff so i'm going to stop sharing this tab move back over there we go uh very good so thank you for that logan uh, he said, P.S. Anyone who has flown into Oshkosh might appreciate the Bonanza shot near the gravel pit. Okay. That must have been one of the first I've
4: ones. I've never actually. drunk Bonanza shots. What are they
1: like? Well,
4: you know, they could. yeah. They're, I've had tequila shots. Little A little rough. Yeah.
1: A bit rough. Okay. Fair yeah. enough. Well, thank you, Logan, for that. And Yeah. Uh, yeah anybody out there that's into flight simming, definitely uh, check out uh, the aforementioned... SIM platforms that he was talk- and uh, the aftermarket um, companies that provide all those very cool airplanes. All right. Uh, continuing on with, uh, which one? Nine, did you say, Liz? Nine, yep. Okay. Nine, yep. Mark, the man, the voice, the legend. I may have missed a past episode if you did bring it up, but I would like to hear about your actual connection with Radio Roger. I assume there is a little more personal story than just one day you picked up the phone and called a random agent and hired him to do your intros. And that's from Mark <laughs> Altergot. That's exactly what happened. Yeah, we we yeah. called up um uh, somebody and said, "Hey, if you he does not any- charge much." Yeah. <laughs> not <laughs> not, not much at all. bucks a week. <laughs> yeah. So, uh yeah, uh, the way uh, Radio Roger is a listener to our show, he's part of the community. And we uh, organized a meetup. And was it the, was it the first meetup that we did in New York uh, when you
4: were there, Nick? I think I it wasn't the first. It oh. was the first proper meetup because okay. I, I'd done a few meetups with a handful of people, you know, one okay. or two, uh, like Yoshi and uh, a few folks like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, this was the first one where I said, "Look, you know, let's let's go to the bar and all come along and." Uh, and enjoy but it was one of the first yeah
1: yeah and so um i, I i'm not sure who but was it tanya that was organized tanya the there? location tanya, the venue think, yeah. uh yeah uh, i tanya. think i just are oh, you're the one it that might have it? been but okay
4: I, uh, I had a feeling i just googled uh ipa near my hotel <laughs> oh okay
1: and what did you come up with
4: <laughs> uh the beer authority uh, yes and it looked big enough to have a a bit of a you know meet up and mm-hmm. spare room and uh, a good choice in beers uh,
1: right beside the bus. um you know, Authority. Terminus, the Port I think. Authority. <laughs> the Port Authority. Yeah. Um, and yeah, uh, we, uh, we had a really pretty pretty decent um, participation up there. A lot of the folks that live in the New York area were able to join us, and uh, one of those was Radio Roger, and he introduced himself to all of us, and um, I'm not sure if he had already, by that point, sent us feedback or not, but I do remember at some point after that meetup, he um, sent in some audio feedback, and then I think just a one-off, like uh, just playing around, doing an intro for us, right? Is that right, Liz? He did so. send him some kind of a, and I, and so I, I, loved it and everybody else loved it too. And so I contacted uh, Roger and I said, Here's Hey,
3: Tanya. she's, she was there. Whoops, Hang okay. on.
1: There's Tanya. That me. was 2017. Oh, that was Tanya's first meetup because she's in the uh, live audience. And, um, uh, so, um, I loved radio Rogers, um, doing the intro and, um, I asked him, would you be willing to do that more often? Like every show, <laughs> And, and he said, yes. And, uh, he, you know, probably really had no idea what he was getting into. Uh, but yeah, so he pretty much since the time that he started, I don't know again what the time frame was from the time that we did the meetup in New York in 2017 and when he actually started doing them on a, on a regular basis. So, uh, yeah, so like, like clockwork, uh, except for a couple different times that he was out of town or something and he couldn't uh, get to a microphone to record and so every week what happens is uh, our producer director, Liz, uh, set, you know, has a kind of a good idea of the, some of the news items that we're going to talk about on the show. And uh, we also know the, uh, the title of the plain tale. This is some, um, you know, behind the scenes information. here. And for where
3: you. you'll be. And, and where I'm
1: going to be on my, if I'm going to be on a layover or if I'm going to be at home in the home studio. And then she sends that information uh, to Roger. And then he picks usually two, sometimes three of those news stories as a teaser in his intro. And he says where I am and uh, what the date of the recording is. And sometimes, you know, when he records it uh, and the time that we act and location that we actually do it are not all, they don't always match up, but they're pretty darn close. Um, and, and so, anyway, we've been doing that for a while and I love it. So, uh, that's how. That's how the Radio Roger thing came about, and I believe it was there at the uh, meetup at the Beer Authority that we learned, or at least I did, that he was a big-time radio TV guy in the New York market and uh, was one of the voices that people recognize on 1010 Wins. Absolutely. And uh, since then, I
4: I got invited out to his house, uh, went out to join his family for um a, a meal to celebrate uh, one of the um, Jewish religious uh, days. I'm trying to remember which one it was. Uh, forgive me radio, uh, Roger. I'm thinking I don't know Yom Kippur or something. I'm not certain. Um, it was but like it was a so Shabbat meal day. or something like that. Uh, well, you know, I can't remember. It doesn't ring a bell. But yeah. uh, I can't okay. quite. But I jumped the train and, and uh, got out there, and that was brilliant. And um, also, he kindly invited me up to his studios. So I spent an afternoon um, watching him uh, do his thing um, in, in in his studio, um, doing all the news, etc. Mm-hmm. And uh, got to see his work environment. Very impressive. I was uh, yeah, good stuff.
1: Yeah, well, obviously, you're his favorite, because I haven't done any of that stuff with Roger. Passover, yeah, <laughs> that might have been it,
4: Passover. Yeah, yeah the uh, Seder. Well, I, you don't fly into New York very often.
1: That's true. Uh, to be fair. Yeah, that is true. That is true. Anyway, if we ever do fly back there again on a regular basis, uh, maybe I can do some of that stuff, too. Anyway, Radio Roger is a great guy, and he is a big part of our community, and I consider him part of our APG crew. So,
4: Absolutely. Uh
1: that's that's the story behind Radio Roger Mark, and he is uh, the EAA Air Venture fueler. And uh, maybe I'll see you in uh, two three weeks. Was it? It's 14, well, about three three to four weeks, I guess. The end of the month, I'm planning on going to Oshkosh for at least a few days. Okay, so I look forward to seeing you, Mark. All right, and you too, um, uh, Logan. I think that he's going to be there as well. Okay, skipping down to which one, Liz? Twelve. Twelve. Yeah. Thank you for going through the trouble of writing all that down for me, and now I'm not referring to any of it. I'm (laughs) sorry. Um, It's just easier for me to ask you, and you can just tell me, am I here? Uh, Okay, number twelve. Rob. Pilots Helping Pilots. It's a YouTube video. Here's another newsworthy story. Pilots Helping Pilots. Engine failure and unable to reach center, uh, center air air traffic control radio, airborne aircraft above, helping and giving advice. And then he gives us a link to a YouTube video. And right now we are going to – now, I I must say that when I set up this video and I I got the video so that we could play it on the show – Uh, The title of it is American Airlines Pilot um, gives uh, help advice to um, a flight instructor and his student. And nowhere here in this video do they mention the fact that um, the voice from above that was listening on the radio and helped out the uh, flight instructor was uh, the voice of an American Airlines pilot uh, flying overhead. So he must have, the flight instructor must have been on 121.5, the guard frequency and the, the American Airlines pilot was probably flying nearby, heard the uh, the trouble that they were having, engine trouble, and uh, decided to give him some help and some advice. So, with that, let's uh, let's play this audio. This is something. Gio Benitez covers aviation.
0: It's every pilot's worst nightmare, the lone engine on the Cessna aircraft failing mid-flight Friday right over that busy interstate. Flight instructor Richard Lee and a student on board desperately tried a radio air traffic control but can't get through. But another pilot flying nearby was listening and jumped on the radio. Do you think it's a good idea to land on the highway? Yeah, man, put it down wherever you got, you look good. Okay, I'm so scared. You're looking good, man. Your approach looks good. I think you're going to be fine. That pilot giving life-saving advice. There's a car. You know, maintain a faster-than-normal airspeed so you have something to work with. Put it down between cars, put it down in front of them, and uh, they'll see you and stop. I'll try, I'll try. You're looking good. Watch that truck. Watch out for the... That plane avoiding every car. I landed, I landed. We're, on, oh, we're on the highway. We're on the highway. All right, good landing, sir. I'm going to tell Miami you're okay. And he did. Turned out okay with that airplane that landed on the highway. Good. He was talking to us, and uh, yeah, he's, he's fine. Good deal. Just an incredible story. And, David, thankfully nobody was hurt here, but the FAA tells us it will investigate. David.
1: And look, looking at the uh, graphics uh, that they put on the screen of the video, it's, it's funny because anytime air traffic control says something, uh, they put tower No, it was not tower. (laughs) you know, I guess we can't get too picky. Not even close. No. (laughs) Oh, well. Oh, well. It's like
3: taxiway and runway.
1: Yeah, taxiway, runway, uh, tarmac, apron, all that kind of jazz. Yeah. Anyway, so good job. Um, luckily, uh, I think he calmed the flight instructor down and was able to con- you know, kind of give him some good advice to put the thing down. And it was a happy ending. Uh, but the only thing that was weird to me, and maybe it's just me, is that, that, uh, that flight instructor, maybe he was brand new or something, but he didn't seem very confident.
4: Now, I noticed the same. So I'm beginning to wonder if it was actually an instruction student or whether it was just a guy and his friend. I don't know. Yeah,
1: that's true. That could be. Uh, You know, as as opposed and contrasted with uh, Ben, the uh, CFI that uh, had the engine trouble uh, in the Charlotte oh, yeah. area. I mean, he was, he sounded very confident on the radio and yeah, I know we weren't able refreshing. to play his audio because we couldn't find it, but I heard it and I can vouch for the fact that he sounded very calm, cool, cool, and collected, uh, on the, on the radio, uh, quite a contrast to, to this particular, uh, gentleman that we were listening to, but anywho. So that was a, that was a good one. So thank you, Rob, for sending that in and, uh, Fifteen, and Thank then you. you're on your own. Okay. Oh, this is the last one that Liz is going to suggest. And then she said, "I'm on my own." On my own. All right. Uh, number fi- fifteen uh, from Philip. Uh, airline hires and airline charters. Hey guys. Hey guys. <laughs> I'm hey Philip. That's uh-huh. what they do on the YouTubes.
0: Hey guys.
1: Uh-huh. I'm Philip, 22 years old, living in Carlsbad, California, and I have my PP. PPL check ride, July 22nd. Ooh, that's coming in like three weeks, almost exactly three weeks from now. Hoping well, to pursue a career in the airlines like you fine folks. Who's he talking about? Oh, I have oh, us. no okay. idea since I don't have a career in the airlines. <laughs> oh, yeah, and we're not fine folks. That's the point I was trying to make. <laughs> he says he has two questions. First, I have heard from pilots I have talked to at my local airport that pursuing a job in an airline early can help lead to your success when it comes to being a commercial airline pilot and the hiring process. Well, first of all, I'll tell you that if you're listening to any knowledge, information, advice from a pilot, be very, very careful. Take it with a grain of salt. I know, because I'm a pilot. Um, no, he is right. That pilot that you got, that advisor, pilots that you were uh, talking to regarding that Um are correct let me let me read the rest of his uh, question uh example being working for delta at uh, kilo sierra alpha november which is san diego Lindbergh airport as perhaps ground crew check-in desks or flight attendant just to establish yourself in the airline make connections and gain experience in the airline industry is this something you guys would recommend or say to avoid okay so i'm confused i was thinking that when the pilots told you um That uh, pursuing a job in an airline early, uh, I was assuming that they meant to get hired as quickly as you can because in the United States, under our system of seniority, which is like 99% of the uh, commercial airlines in our country – the, the date that you're hired is going to set your seniority, and that seniority you're going to keep, a relative seniority, throughout the rest of your career. So if you get hired let, – let me give you an example. Uh, someone hired in the beginning of January of 1988, um, wo- they turned out to be a 1,000 pilot or seniority number senior to me because I was hired in the last month of 1988 because we were doing a lot of hiring. Back in 1988, and so that 1,000 numbers of seniority makes a huge difference in your career. It could be the difference between making captain years before the other person can because of the seniority. It can uh, mean you know the type of airplane you're flying, which could correlate also to uh, your your uh, your salary. Uh, it's not really salary, your pay, etc. But I mean, if you're like getting your experience, flight experience and such, and you need to have a job, I don't think it would be a bad thing to try to get on with a particular airline and work uh, as ground crew or check-in desks or or be be a flight attendant. In fact, a very uh, big part of our APG community, Stephen Ivey, uh, he started out as a flight attendant at uh, ASA, Atlantic Southeast Airlines. Uh, before he left them and uh, got a job, uh, he's a has an engineering degree, and he was working at Georgia Power. And that while he was working for Georgia Power, he bought a part share in a Mooney, and started flying the heck out of that thing, trying to build time and hours and and ratings. And uh, then I think he finally moved from there because it wasn't happening quickly enough, and he uh, got a job flying survey airplanes all over the place and racking up the flying time and then finally had enough for his ATP. And then he got hired by SkyWest airlines and he's been with them now for a couple of years, I believe. So, um, yeah, you know, I think that it can't hurt for sure. I don't know if it, it probably would help you maybe get a foot in or a toe in or whatever, uh, as far as, uh, maybe have uh, during an interview with that airline, when you have all your credentials for being a pilot, uh, it could definitely make a difference between you and uh, another person. So I wouldn't say it's a bad thing. Uh, but again, I, I was thinking that they were probably meaning, you know, get her- hired as early as possible because that can make a huge difference in your career or whether you even furloughed. The other opposite of that. I mean, people that were hired not long after I was uh, ha- got furloughed, and that really is no good. And I avoided furlough because of when I was hired. And it was all about timing. Yes, Liz.
3: So Jeff, just to be clear, if he's hired by an airline, but not in a flying, a pilot role, his seniority doesn't kick in until he becomes a pilot. Is that correct? Okay.
1: That's a good question. Uh, Liz is asking. um, So let's say he gets hired by, um, I'll just name an uh, American Airlines in San Diego, or United in San Diego. Um, would, would that, uh, his hire date, uh, figure in his seniority, uh, if, if and when he finally was hired as a pilot at United. And I, I think, I think it depends on the company, but for instance, I, I know somebody at Delta airlines who was working for the company and then left Delta. You probably know, you've heard of him. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Acme. He was working for Acme. Oh, shoot. Oh, well. I spilled the beans um and uh anyway he uh was a uh, working as a ground instructor and then he left the company and went and got his all his flying ratings and experience and then was hired again by that company and his seniority worked in a couple different ways i believe i have this right for for like um like his seniority when it comes to non-revenue flying on the airplane, his standby flying. um, He got to use his seniority from when he was first hired uh, in in a non-pilot position. Uh, But as far as seniority for, bidding vacations and bidding airplanes and bidding trips every month. Um, no, that's based on the hire date of when you are hired as a pilot. Now, again, that's only in this example, uh, Acme or our sister airline Delta. Uh, but uh, it, that could be a different thing at a different airline. But I believe that's where uh, how it works at most places. So that's a good question. Uh, I've got
4: a question. Yes, too.
1: Yes, uh, I mean, if you've Uh, in a
4: position uh, where you've had to receive training from an airline. So you you might be a dispatcher or you might be a a flight attendant Mm -hmm. and you now want the airline to take you on as a pilot. Um, if you're in a big crowd of people trying to get a job, might that actually work against you because the company has already invested time and money in training you into your current position. And particularly perhaps if they're a bit short of people in that role, might they go, well, we don't really want to lose this guy. He's a mm-hmm. good dispatcher or a good, whatever. Um, uh, you know, there's all these other guys we could take on to be pilots, but you yeah. know, let, let's string this guy along
1: and keep him in his current job. That's, that is a good question. And I think I would answer it like this. If somebody is trying to get on with your company as a pilot and you say, no, we don't want you, we want you to stay doing what you're doing. I think that they'd be naive because they must realize that, well, if he's not going to fly for us, then he's going to leave us completely and fly for another airline, because that's what he really wants to do is fly airplanes. And that's just my, my perspective on that. Yeah. I so Hall
3: has an interesting comment here.: I
1: Hall but boxes says that. there's company seniority, base seniority, fleet seniority. Yeah, and again, it depends on the company. At my company, um, company seniority and um, fleet or pilot or whatever seniority are the two things that are um, considered, but base seniority, that doesn't it's not a separate seniority kind of thing for at least for the pilots at AcME. So, it might be different where I haul boxes hauls boxes um yeah, so good stuff. I think he had another question, didn't he? Um Oh, yes, I follow a Twitter page that tracks all professional sports teams' flights. A majority for the major league baseball uh, teams tend to be delta seven fifty sevens Do all seven fifty seven first officers captains get assigned these flights at random? Or do they have to bid for these flights, or be on special assignments to pilot these teams around? Okay, so um, as far as the pilots are concerned, it's pretty much the normal bidding process. And a a lot of these charters, Um, uh, a lot of these charters are built because we get these um, uh, a look at the trips the month prior. So we are the bidding closes about the eleventh or so of the month. Prior to the month you're bidding for, so let's say for August, our bidding will uh, close on the 11th of July, and uh, so if those charters are known at that point, they'll be bin- built into the bid packages or the available trips. And if you know what you're looking for, you know you can you can pick them out. And then if you're if you're looking to fly a charter, uh, yeah, if you have the seniority to do it, you're going to fly it. Uh, you'll get it. Uh, now the the flight attendants, on the other hand. Are <clears throat> it's a different story, uh, and I flew a bunch of uh, Major league, league Baseball charters uh, back when I was on the 727 as a first officer back in the 90s, which was really cool because that's when um, the the Atlanta Braves were just going like gangbusters. It was an incredible, uh, an incredible number of years there, and. Uh, and doing the charters was a lot of fun. And I got to go to a lot of baseball games. And, you know, when we take them to places like Toronto, for instance, we were staying. Uh, it was a different hotel uh, name, but it was the same hotel as that we, Sky we Dome. stay now at Skydome. And we got invited to parties and and we got free tickets to the games. And it was just a it was a lot of fun. And, you know, and I was a big fan of the Atlanta Braves too. So it was, it was kind of exciting to uh, be around all these guys. And this is back when we did charters, we could actually leave the door open and they would walk up into the cockpit and check out everything. And, and then uh, the, the baseball, usually the pitchers would get up there and we let them fly in the seat and do like aileron rolls and loop. No, I'm just kidding. They didn't, we didn't let them touch any of the controls. (laughs) (laughs) Trust me, really, if you're watching anybody in management at Acme, I, I, I didn't do that no um not often anyway not yeah not often um but uh so what was the point of that oh yeah it was interesting because i learned that our flight attendants uh doing these charters were not just at random uh they were had to go through a, a prof- process they they would uh, uh, put in applications to do these charters, and they would interview with uh, people in in flight, and they would be selected. And so that that they were pretty they much all, all incredibly good looking? they did, no. Liz is asking a great question, and and that would be my assumption, right? That they would all be incredibly good looking. No, not I'm not. I mean, they were they were attractive, um, but right. not that wasn't the 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 number one imp, uh, thing of importance, at least with the baseball players and That's the football great. players. That's good to hear. Uh, were um, the, the ones that um, knew the players, knew exactly what they expected, what they wanted. Uh, they didn't mm-hmm. bother certain players because they knew that this person does not want to be bothered. They know exactly what they want. So when they came on an airplane, it was almost like they were being in their own home. And That's great. That's what they used to select the uh, the flight attendants and and these you know you'd think that they'd be all the young twenty something year old uh, just knockout flight attendants but many of the flight attendants were were the uh, quite the opposite they were much more experienced we'll just put it that way seasoned seasoned yes seasoned flight attendants so uh, good question though Liz and and I, I was kind of surprised by that but then when I thought about it I thought yeah that makes sense because you know. These and I and I witnessed this quite a bit at um, doing these charters and being at some of these parties. I was I was at a party at Sky Dome and at the Hard Rock Cafe, I believe, mm, and uh, yep. and I was up there and it was and I was not an old guy like I am now. I was a younger man at the time. I was in my thirties and I didn't think I was bad looking, but let me tell you this: uh, I was completely invisible in that place mm. because I was not a major league baseball player. And these, uh, very young, very attractive women in there, uh, were looking fixed upon. Groupies. Yeah. Groupies. They were, they were looking at these baseball players thinking, Hmm, maybe my future husband or my future baby daddy and source of money in the future. I don't know. Exactly.
5: Um,
1: and, and I was going to say sugar my daddy, future my pension, sugar daddy. yeah, my future pension sugar daddy. Right. Um, So, uh, and I thought to myself, wow, it must be very, very difficult for. Uh, these baseball players or you know, professional sports athletes, yes. uh, especially if they have if they're married and have their own families to you know, like just go and look at resist these temptation. amazing things and resist that temptation. Uh, it must have been a, a difficult thing. I didn't have to worry about resisting temptation because it wasn't <laughs> I wasn't tempted at all. I just got to watch everything going going on around me. And That's kind it, of fun it was an too. Interesting aspect, and I did enjoy it. It was fun. You're right, Liz. Okay. So hopefully okay, that Okay, so you've got about question.
3: 10 minutes left.
1: Okay. Uh, Liz is telling me we have about 10 minutes left. Uh, Nick, do you have any suggestions? you see something in our feedback? Well, I'm
4: just going to finish off that last feedback because okay. you, you missed out the last sentence. Oh, I'm sorry. Thanks oh. for everything, oh. Nick. The yeah. A34-600 A3 is one of the most beautiful aircraft ever built, just saying. And in your honor... Uh, Philip, I've stuck uh, one in my background there. Look at that.
1: Isn't he? Oh, She's look gorgeous. at that beautiful thing. She's gorgeous. Well, darn it. I was hoping that Nick hadn't noticed that I'd skipped that last <laughs> sentence. I, I meant to delete that before we did the show, and I forgot. Get your dinner. Yeah. 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 No, I'm just kidding. Well, I, did, I, 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 I didn't do that. I think <laughs> uh,
4: for a last thing, we just need to play Plain Tales again. No, <laughs> let's <laughs> not play Plain
1: Tales
3: no, I'm not doing that
1: again. Liz says, nope, not doing that again. No. Not not okay. Maybe part two next week, but not part one. We're over that now. Um, let's see here.
3: We could just wrap it up if you don't see Yeah, well, let's
1: do that. Because we're, you know.
4: Of the DC 10.
1: Well, I, Liz is saying, why don't we just wrap it up? Because she's right. We're not really absolutely positive how long the show is at this point because of the mess of uh, part one that we did um, yesterday. So why don't we do this? Why don't we go ahead and wrap things up and we'll move the leftover feedback into our next okay. uh, notebook the staging notebook and we'll do that for the next show i um, not sure exactly when we're going to be doing that but it'll be sometime next week hopefully and uh uh let's see i'm oh by the way i'm in myrtle beach right now um today uh, was a nice easy uh trip uh, or a couple of flights from augusta which was where i was yesterday that Had the terrible internet, Uh, flew to Atlanta and then here to Myrtle Beach. And we were in at like a little bit after 10 o'clock in the morning, I believe, nice and early. And then uh, tomorrow's our tough day. We go to Atlanta and then Charleston and back. And then when I say tough, I'm being sarcastic. It's pretty easy. Uh, Three-leg day. (laughs) Back into Atlanta at about uh, noon. And, oh, you know, another thing I just remembered – uh regarding the plain tail nick one uh, another reason why the and i didn't put it in my uh, my narrative uh, to you for the plain tail but um the rainmaker hotel in pango pango american samoa uh spelled p a g o p a g o but some reason it's pronounced pango um was the first time that i lost my wedding band uh, because at the time I was taking it off <laughs> and putting it on the nightstand, and I was uh still pretty um well, I'd been married maybe maybe uh just a few years, no, maybe you yeah, maybe not even that long. I was still kind of a newlywed, and I was horrified when I was somewhere else in the Pacific, probably over the Pacific Ocean, but we had left pango, and uh I kind of felt around my. Ring finger. I thought, oh, where's my ring? And then I remembered that I probably left it on my nightstand, and I probably bumped it off the nightstand on, onto the floor. And uh, yeah, then I had to come home from that trip and explain to my wife that uh, up. Uh, that um, you know I had uh, I would lost my uh, lost my ring, and then so we went and found <laughs> a, a suitable replacement for it that looked just like. And you know, and the other thing that was bad about it, supposedly, it was her uh, her grandfather's ring.
3: Oh, dear.
4: Yeah. It
1: was. You know, you could have just
4: gone and got a suitable replacement.
1: I should have. And I've, I've, I've done that. Well, never mind. I probably never did <laughs> yeah, that again.
5: I'll go there. Okay. Let's finish up the show. Uh, well, let's
1: fin- finish up the show. And uh, <laughs> let's see, before I say anything more incriminating.
4: Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: Let's uh, talk about uh, our website, uh, airlinepilotguy.com, all one word except for the dot in the middle between Y and C-O-M. And uh, there you'll see a lot of things. Uh, You'll see um, references to the crew and a little information about our little bios um, in the community. And there's the APG Library. Tiffany, our APG librarian, is there to take your suggestions and help you with all kinds of great books. If you're into reading books, I guess people still do that. And uh, let's see merchandise and information about the coffee fund and more detailed information about the uh, plain tales that Nick does in a way uh, gives you instructions on how you can subscribe to plain tales. Uh, the APG community calendar. Uh, I put my schedule on there and try to remove any identifying information there, but you can kind of see where I'm going to be, what city. If I'm in a city near you, contact me and maybe we can do a, a meetup and uh, we're also on social media and nick is going to tell you all about that
4: yeah if you uh, if you're a facebook person uh, you can just uh, find us by uh, typing into the search bar airline pilot guile one word Uh, On the other hand, if you prefer Twitter, uh, then uh, at APGCrew is the uh, handle you're looking for and the Instagram one is very similar. And uh, Steph and I are both on Instagram. You'll find a preview of the artwork. Usually, uh, that's about all I post on it. Uh, Usually a day or two before the show show comes out. Uh, Anyway, the Instagram handle is also uh, APGCrew. And then there's another way you can uh, interact with us. Uh, one that's slightly wetter.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, because the guy that uh, manages this whole thing, um, it's, it's called Slack. And let me see, you hear that? He's in the. Sh- hey, Hillel! Hillel, do you have time for Slack? He sounds like he's drowning. Hey, okay, but I'm dripping wet. <laughs> oh, was it kind of loud? Sorry. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll fix that in post. Okay, Hillel, come on over here. Come on over here. They want to know all about Slack and how they can join this great group of folks. APG
5: listeners, please join us on our Slack team. Slack is a communication, coordination, and sharing platform that works on your mobile, laptop, or browser. On Slack, we share news and ideas. We suggest episode and plain tales topics. We plan events and meetups. To get into the Slack team, please email me at slack at airlinepilotguy.com. That's S-L-A-C-K, Sierra Lima Alpha Charlie Kilo at airlinepilotguy.com. Or send me a tweet with your preferred email address to at Hillel, and I'll send you an invitation. That's Hillel, spelled Hotel India 11 Echo
1: 1, and see you in Slack. Thanks, Hillel. Oh, good thing. He's putting on his, he's putting on his jeans. It's caught his my zipper, Jeff. Oh. Careful! (laughs) Sorry. Uh, Well, we'll,
4: that'll teach him for going commando again.
1: (laughs) Good thing. Good thing we're at the end of the show. I think I need to call somebody in the front desk and uh, maybe a doctor is somewhere here in the. A pair of
4: pliers. Just get a pair of pliers. (laughs) A pair of pliers will
1: be handy (laughs) 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 for the zipper, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good. What were and you thinking? I don't know. I don't know what I'm thinking, actually. Um, yeah. And also, we have our wonderful controller—not controller—in um, the control room. <laughs> we have, well, yeah, she, she is. Controller. She is a controller. Yeah. Uh, producer out of controller, Yes. Uh, producer, director, and my assistant, uh, Liz Piper, Brilliant. in Brilliant. Toronto, <laughs> Canada. APG. Oops. Nope. That's you already said the Slack thing. Well, Stop it again. Awesome.
4: Yeah, well done, Liz. Thanks thank so you much. so much,
1: Liz, for all the help and work you do behind the scenes. I don't know how she
4: kept up with all those
1: plane I, I don't know either. <laughs> She's a star, a superstar. So thank you, Liz, for that. And until next time, wishing you all clear skies, unlimited visibility, and tailwinds. Take care and God bless. Bye, everybody. Boy, am I glad this one's over. Me too.
5: Good day.